What are the Scotty Pippen and Dennis Rodman of dishes? Thanksgiving. What's up, man? You. Yeah. Welcome to XM1, episode uh, 17, titled Happy Thanksgiving. Because if you're American, uh, Thanksgiving is tomorrow. We do all the eating, all the thanks. A lot of spending the following day. A lot of that. Uh, oh, I think I see Noah in chat. What's up, man? How was Worlds? Oh, here we go, here we go, here we go. He's probably typing a response right now. Uh, what do you got planned for uh, tomorrow, man? Whew. Well, for the past like six years, I want to say, we just buy Thanksgiving dinner and like make a couple of sides. So there's a restaurant mm-hmm. down the street called El Camino, which is this great Tex-Mex place. It is, in fact, a phenomenal barbecue spot. They do smoked turkeys and all the fixings. So we just like pick up one of those. I picked it up today. I'm heating it up tomorrow. We're good to go. Easy. Um, Easy. I'll be making some mulled wine and some cocktails. I, ju- I literally just baked cookies. It's gonna be great. We uh, we did a a friendsgiving um, last last week on Friday, and I I was asked if I could. Well, a, a call was put out. It was it was a bunch of people. It was like thirty of us, whatever. And a general call was put out that if um, for someone with a smoker. They'd be willing to smoke a turkey. And I was like, yeah, I have a smoker. And then I like before I committed, I like looked it up just because I hadn't done it before. I looked it up to kind of see like how involved it was. I was like, oh, this is easier than doing like a, a brisket. So yeah, sure, I'll do it. Screw it. Um and so and then Cindy made stuffing. And when I was done making the turkey, it didn't take a long year, it took like three and a half hours, four hours. Um I was so upset because it was so much easier than cooking a uh, turkey normally. Like I need you to understand for the past, I think, except for when I was in the military and I was deployed. Um, so for the past 13 out of 15 years, I have made the turkey and I've oven roasted it. And I made the, I smoked the turkey and it was in the uh, electric smoker, which I, I I normally used uh, in California. I have like the wood burning thing because it was just yeah, yeah. I love doing the smoke smoking yeah, in the winter good. with the yeah. like because I love getting up before everyone else. My dogs like runs out into the snow. You know, I have coffee going. I'm starting the fire oh, and stuff like that. You know, it's just it's just quiet with the, the powdery snow yeah. like up in the yeah. up in the woods and stuff like that. But like now that I live like down in South Florida, I don't really have that anymore. I'm not. I don't really want to go outside more than I have to. So I have like the electric smoker with the remote sensors and everything like that because I don't want to go out there. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really great. And just not having to like have any of that mess in my house. Cause turkeys are messy. They, they, they oh, wow. such juices and smells and there's all this paraphernalia and everything. So, um, and then tomorrow, um, sending myself and a couple of friends were running a 5k in the morning. Yes. For those people. Um, and then we're going to, uh, I have a small, like eight pound turkey. Cause we're going to bring over, uh, it's going to be myself, Cindy, my dad, uh, and then our neighbor, who uh, 
He's a he's a he lives by himself. He's like ninety years old. We have we try to have dinner with him like once once a week Aww. or every week because because like his his so girls sweet. are his. Well, his girls uh they're they're grown not girls they're 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 both grown but they live up yeah. in DC but they don't they don't they're very busy so uh, we try to like go have dinner with him like every other week or something like that just so like he has someone. Yeah. Um, so we invited him over. So we got a little, I got a little eight pound butterball and I'm going to, I'm just smoke it up again. We're going to have some yams, some, some, some potatoes, just a small little thing. Yeah. So, That's uh, cool. no, I didn't, I didn't put, I didn't put bacon on the turkey, but, uh, I can totally do that tomorrow. Oh yeah. Bacon's a quick fix. You can do a quick fix there. Yeah. Bacon's easy. That's cool. It's cool um, to be able to so what have you been up to the past past month, man? It's been a month. You missed one bi-weekly show. We thought about I thought about kind of intruding on uh on under the matrix this week, but I was like, no, because then we gotta then we have to like screw it up again to get back on track. Let's enter the matrix ride that oh man, that's yeah. so good. Um the yeah, what about me up to? A lot of hobby, man. A lot of hobby. I've got uh if you're in the Discord, you've seen I've been doing a bunch of like custom little tinkering situations with these rampagers. Got two of them yeah, fully man. done. All the carnivores are done. Hold on. Let me bust out my, my pride and joy here. This guy. Yeah. Running forward, fully posed. All of I this shit it. is magnetized. All of it. Because I'm a total crazy person. Uh, if you're listening to this on the podcast, you should hit the YouTube because I'm showing off my very cool um, converted up. Night Rampage is running at full speed. Um, he was magnetized in 20 different spots so I can transport him safely. Yo, the chaos, I've never really had the full experience of the chaos spikes because I've done, like, I've done demons and, like, but legit. You, poked, you, you poked yourself yet? Like, four times, like, bleeding in two places. <laughs> like, the fuck is going on here? <laughs> it was, it was, I was, it's like, oh, that's not just a meme. That's like a real thing. All right, cool. No, that, that's that's how the chaos forces get you. Like every time it's a little prick, it's like 0.01% of your soul, you know? Just and then like touch they, more. They, they get you eventually. Like yeah, right where the um right where the shoulder pads are, the spikes that go out horizontally, like those are the sharpest ones. Yeah. God, those those ones get you good. Uh, and then I'm like crazy. So everyone, I was just like, no, I need the spikes to like come out and like it has to match this way. And like these chains need to go here. So I'm like interacting with them probably more than like a normal person would be. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of pokes. Um, yeah, like I built several Flanesh chariots and yeah, it is, um, it's an experience. Oh, yeah. The uh, the axle, like where all those things are like different pieces, wasn't as bad as I expected it to be. Um, it was tedious, yeah. but. Um, I would not build Slenus chariots for fun as I have a ton of I have a bunch of them unassembled in a box. I have like seriously I have like five or six of them unassembled in a box. Um from when I was like quickly buying up as many combat patrols as like not combat patrols, start collecting from eighth edition as I could before they went out of print. Yeah. Um God, so I have a ton of those in my truck. Those are good, right? Well, that's how I started my demon army. Like besides the Besides the big stuff, I built almost all my greater. I built my entire chaos chaos demon collection from combat patrols and start collectings, and then like limited run box sets, stuff like that. So. Word, so, yeah, doing that. So those guys are done. I'm trying to figure out how to speed paint all the marines I've got that are assembled but not painted. Um, so I've been messing around with this like raptors method that I think I've got down, which is going to be like. 
three cans of spray paint, uh, a streaking grime wash, pin wash of um, burnt umber, and then I'm probably gonna do up some like sponge weathering and then call it, like base it and call it. And I think that I could, I could probably pump out like 60 models that way in about two hours a day. Oh yeah. Look good. So that that I'm pretty excited about. Um been trying to get into Horace Heresy. There's a league at my store opening up. I'll share more about like what that experience has been like so far. We're gonna car we're gonna carve out like an entire like like 10 like minute section where you can just rant, where you just go to oh, soapbox and just God. you just go nuts. Yeah, man, when you were telling me when you were telling me this story, I was like, Man, this is peak horse heresy. Like hey, man, and then I was like, maybe it's just different. And then you go to the Reddit and you're like, wow, the le legit the rules and recommendations for new players are themselves like fucking gatekeeping and totally inconsistent. So um, I think they, I think it's I think they almost do it as like a lightning rod because they're kind of like well maybe if we just like build a point of failure for like the type of <laughs> like for like the hobby then yeah. like it'll suck away like every like it away from like the other game systems I don't know that's my that's my theory yeah it's, it's I've never more explicitly seen the vibe of like no we're keeping it casual and keeping it casual means no I want to win with whatever random stuff I feel like making period like versus like actually casual which is like the vibe of the game feels good regardless yeah. of the outcome and what's happening it's just different we we need to both bring bad lists but i want you to bring a slightly worse list than me <laughs> yes yes <laughs> exactly okay. exactly yeah anyway. just say that just say that dude uh, yeah just say that loud. it's cool you can live that way uh and yeah. then yeah like work's been crazy but less crazy than it has been past when you find a week's higher so i don't have to do two jobs anymore um kids are good things are good Sweet. how about you tim I won my first gt let's uh, go that's been a monkey off my on my back for a long time x uh, and had, zero yeah i've had many 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 like near misses close calls stuff like that um so finally got it, it was a smaller one um one of our teammates um like volunteered to be the to to put this together and everything um and so usually our store runs like two about two gts a year and then like an rtt every year and so a little bit of backstory um we regularly put up like 35 40 person rtts because we've had a, a whole huge influx of new players to this show, and they love they love the enormous, they love the match. enormous. so they they love the, the the match play experience they really like yeah. it and i see yeah. them in there all the time they're grinding it's the, like every tuesday and saturday that's like our warhammer nights at our store and like there's just it's just always packed and they're always grinding and testing and grinding it's really cool but like we can never like really convert over the gts you know like in in ninth edition we were putting up some decent numbers for gts yeah. but like in uh in tenth edition our gts have been like 30 31 you know but like our rts are like 40 45 you know like i think our record's like 47 it's like what are we doing man um we did some, so we did some exit surveys and a lot of them were kind of like you know they're they didn't really want to like commit two days they were worried that like a gt would be a little more cutthroat um which is not at all um and then they were also like uh they're like worried about tick cost you know that kind of stuff so we basically decided to uh do an iron man gt which is something that used to be really popular in florida and so we thought about trying to like kind of like maybe like bring it back where you do five rounds in one day um it's great for people like me who work on the weekend and so you only have to really take like one personal day or one um yeah, yeah. you know one day of paid time off or whatever 
and you come in, you bang it out, and then you're done. Um, and so we we basically did uh, we 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 played two hour forty five minute rounds instead of three hour rounds. Um, lunch was a little bit shorter, but we also provided pizza and soda like at the on site for all the players. Mm-hmm. We we cut we. We cut the cost down uh, instead of doing our traditional raffle that we do at the end where you get a ticket for list submission and then you get a uh, timely list submission and a ticket for every loss you take. Instead, we just assigned everyone a number as they walked through the door. And in round three, we basically picked numbers out of a hat while people were playing. And we came up to them, we like gave them door prizes, you know, so That's that way. Cool. And then like the dinner, the dinner, um, the dinner break was like 20 minutes, you know, like just it was kind of like, hey, traffic, there's no traffic, you know, because it's late at night go out grab yeah. something real quick come back that sort of thing we're like i was i was done by like 11 30 so it wasn't rolled dice at 8 30 done 11 30 but i finished my last game pretty quick so it wasn't that bad yeah that's funny um, tim is tim is quite humble so he won't elaborate with the full details but one of one is for gt add an iron man so we're going five rounds back to back to back to back to back no rest as he pounds a monster the <laughs> <laughs> With Death Guard, right? While scamming himself yes. <laughs> of the death a bit out of the Death Guard rules. Pretty it's pretty great, man. Yeah, I uh actually played the the um actually played all the heavy played weapons, so strength six instead of strength eight. <laughs> <It's such laughs> it's such Whoops. I love it. I mean the army's like made of lethal hits, so it wasn't like too yeah, bad, not, you know, yeah. and then and then uh, my game four against Ruben, which is my hardest game, we like realized mm-hmm. that I actually played like I played one rule that wrong in my favor, but then like I played like a rule, I played several rules wrong against myself, so we we're kind of like <laughs> it, it ended up being like a wash. Yeah, um, he was chill about it because we were both we were both kind of just practicing for fours in Atlanta, which I'm going up to next week. Um, so that's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, to run through, I guess. That's a good segue. Into yeah, let's talk the list. Eight. How does it work? Um, okay, like. so the list, let me actually, blah, 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 blah. I will, I'll pull it up, find it through my DMs, and then put it on a notepad or something like that, and then I'll share the screen. Here we go. Because obviously, like that night, like the next morning, several people were like kind of messaged to be asking me about this. Uh, love it. Love the GT right now. Yeah, it was really cool. Uh, okay, so let me do share screen. Like my eyes are like looking all over the place. My monitor is huge. <laughs> uh, present share screen. There, boom. Okay, so that should be. Let me zoom in on that a little bit. That should be the list. Uh, it's pretty simple. Um. So it looks nothing when you look at it, nothing there should really surprise you. All this should be stuff that, for the most part, that everyone's really seen, and there's a reason for that. Um, I am very big on like wisdom of the crowds and crowdsourcing. Um, there is so many events that are being played now in 10th edition, um, compared to 9th and, and especially compared to 8th, that it's very the basically any given meta gets solved extremely fast usually within about four weeks so as someone who barely has things been kind of busy for me like crazy right now uh, a lot of times like my practice like one event for me is my practice for the next event and usually i just try to string a bunch of events together and just keep that momentum going 
Um, so, but I needed a starting point and I was, I was kind of seeing like bits and bobs of stuff that was working, but I was like, okay, well, let me pull up a technique that I've used a long time ago, which is basically crowdsourcing um, pick rates and win rates. Um, and so that's kind of where that's kind of where Frank got the inspiration from the dirt sheets from, because um, I would do this for a single faction, especially if I was trying to like learn a faction or like kind of crack it out or figure it. And like I just wanted, like, boom, what's in winning list or almost winning list? Because if you're X and one, like a lot of times, like it, it might have been bad luck or you made like one mistake in a critical game or whatever, but like you yeah. totally were in a position to win that event, sure. yeah. um, especially if you've done it repeatedly. And so. I can actually pull it up here and let's see if I can share it in my, I have so many windows open right now. And for uh, listeners, both on YouTube and a podcast. Yeah, this is definitely, definitely go on YouTube. So over here, this is basically what I did leading up to it is I basically went, uh, I, I just put first name only for, uh, for privacy concerns. Uh, because people are going to ask me about this and I was going to share it. And I basically went through every single list. I started with um, with Max Squice, who won, uh, apologies if I mispronounced his name, uh, but he was the first guy that won an event with Death Guard. So I was like, well, that's a good spot to start. It's relatively recent. The, the choices should be relevant. And I basically went from there and I worked backwards up to present time. Um, by present time, that Tim at the end there, that's not me. That's a different Tim. Um, so this was about a week prior to the event. And I basically went through and I listed everything that that everyone would take. And then I basically just kind of tallied it up. And you can see I went, you know, from Max here, I, I listed everything he took, Stefan, John, so on and so forth. Uh, and then once I had everything done, I basically would just kind of click on the column and I would make a note of the total value. And then I would go over here. And I think there was like 17 lists or something like that. 17 lists of the, as, as of the sampling that won X and one or better. And so I went to sheet two and I basically would take, I would go row by row. And so I would say, okay, well, every single list, well, all but one list uh, took plate rings. Mm -hmm. So 16 lists, and I would divide the total count that you get, uh, Excel and Google provide this for you. So you take the total count and you divide it by the number of lists and you get the pick rate. And then you go by all those lists that took it and you can actually average out the, the unit count. And I would just go do the next thing. So the rhino, so I'd see basically for every 10 plate greens, you would have a rhino. So they're basically essentially the same data sheet as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, round account three, no surprise nurgling. So these first four data sheets, pretty, pretty self-explanatory. The vast, vast, vast. Speak up the core. Yeah. Three rhinos, three plate burst crawlers, money. Same thing with the biologists. Um, yeah. It's rounded to two, but that's just because there was a handful of people that like, you know, were kind of doing like kind of weird stuff and they would only take mm -hmm. like one or something like that. They would go more like sorcerers or chaos lords, whatever. But for the most part, I rounded this down. Most people were really taking three. And I basically went through this list. And by the time I, I waited till I was done because um, I took a lesson from Peter the Falcon, who is the grandfather of 40K stats uh, from the yeah. fourth edition. And he, he always told me, um, don't try to be an analyst and a collector at the same time. Finish collecting, and then once you're done collecting, then go back and analyze. Um, so I had my data set, and I basically just went through top and bottom. Uh, top and bottom, I was like, okay, well, here's my core. Uh, I'm already taking three rhinos, so I might as well make this um, 
six plate marines. Um, I basically count every five plate marines as a unit. That's how I came to this this number. Mm -hmm. uh, three nerglings, three PPCs, three biologists, typhus, and that's that's kind of where I started when I wrote the list. And I was like, okay, this is pretty straightforward. And I played three. I took uh, Max List to an RTT. That was my first outing with Death Guard when I was kind of spooling up. I listened to his interview on content cost and his interview on the um, Disgustingly Resilient podcast to try to get, like, get in his head what he was doing. Ennis also linked me to his uh, his blog. He had a very good write-up article about Death Guard when he was switching to the Vermeldar. And so between those three pieces of content, I was like really able to kind of like get into his head about what he was doing, what his general game plan was. And I actually asked him like some questions directly, and he responded about like one or two matchups, and so that was kind of cool. Um, and then I also tried Liam VSL's list that he took the worlds, and I played mm -hmm. like games with that. Um, I didn't love it as much, but I definitely saw like what he was doing with it. So I had three games with Max's list, two games with Liam's list. So that's five games. Uh, and I listened to um, I listened to two podcast interviews with uh, with Max, and then read his article. And then I also messaged Liam directly, and I, we did some back and forth about his list. Uh, and then I, and then that's when I created this sheet. And so basically, I, I preferred Max's list. And so after I had the core, I was like, okay, the Death Shroud, I really like those. Um, as you can see here, it says two units, but I only have Typhus. I don't have a second character. So Typhus's rule when he attaches to a Death Shroud is he makes a minus one to hit in combat. Death Shroud's rule when they're led by a character is they're a minus one to wound if the strength is higher than their toughness. So conceivably, you link them together and you have minus one to hit and minus one to wound. Um, which can also stack with minus one to hit from Nurglings, minus one weapon skill, ballistic skill from your um, Contagions, and then you can also pop minus one damage, and you're a two-up save as well. Yeah. Suddenly so you're like, oh, so hitting you on sixes, wounding on fours, and you've got all Yeah, I mean, you usually most people won't be wounding, hitting on sixes because you can only stack minuses to hit so far. Right, but right. if you were hitting on threes, now you're hitting on fives, you know, like it'd be... So, I saw the value. I was kind of like, well, before I was running some MSU with Max's list, but I really wanted some hammer units. So I stuck the two Destron together. I was like, well, if I put Typhus with them, now I have a really efficient, durable unit that also like makes really good use of strats. Yeah. Um, I hadn't messed with the drone yet, so I figured I'd just chuck a single drone in there to see how it was. Um, I'd messed with the Foul Blight spawn from um, from Liam's list. So I, I liked him. I didn't like two, but I liked one, so I threw him in there. And then at that point, that's where we start getting down to like the people who kind of like spun off and were doing like their own things, like onesies mm -hmm. and twosies, like you know, Mortarian 35% of the list, Lord of Vero is 29%, Mephitic Blade Hall is 24%, you know. And this is clearly where we start like spinning off into like um like people like doing like individual concepts, whereas like yeah. at the top of this is like the core of like every single good list, like the tried and proven stuff. And so that is let me go back and share the original. Stop screen, present, share screen. It's got to be a fast way to do this. I'm sure there is. I'm just not very good at it. No, you're good. And that is uh, how mm. we came out with, with this list. Um, I literally just took that process that I did, and I created this. This this list was almost entirely procedurally generated by that <laughs> Excel data sheet I made. Um, so I wish I could say there was like a stroke of genius in here, but like literally I just crowdsourced. I was like, 
what is going X and one better on a data sheet level, not on like a top down list level, but like on a data sheet level, what is going X and one better? How often is it getting picked? And like, what's the pick rate? Um, and what's the average thing? And so I ended up with Typhus. Felt Blightspawn with the droning. I had 10 points left. It, it came up like once. Um, and that's because I forgot I even had it most time. But it's like you fail Battleshock within Contagion range, you take some extra portals. Mm. Uh, three three biologists who were along the, the Plague Marines were the beating heart of the list. Um, four units of five Plague Marines with the plasma, because I like the plasma, the launcher, because you kind of have to take a launcher because the way the, the units are constructed. Yeah. Uh, three heavy weapons. A big hammer unit with five heavy weapons, two flamers, uh, three plasma and launcher. Uh, the six terminators we talked about. Um, the drone with the mower, who the drone was good. The mower was trash. Um, <laughs> seven one two, and it's ten. I like I saw ten attacks. And I just got starstruck, you know. But like yeah. seven one two is such a, an awkward profile. It like yeah. if it was six, if it was six two two or eight, if it was six two two, or like. Or like eight one two, like that would have been fine. The seven one two is just like not it. The breakpoints are all wrong. Um, so he's still in the list because he's relatively fast. He's cheap. He's OC three. He's literally the same stat line as a rhino, except he has a five up inbound. Um, mm. So he takes like real commitment to kill, um, and he can fall back, shoot, and charge, which means he can fall back in action. He can fall back, shoot somebody, charge again. Because a lot of times I just used him to do. To do like homers or to tag like a tank that didn't want to get tagged or something like that. Um, so when I change this to the spewers, which are a anti-infantry two up, uh, AP one no cover, damage one gun, flamer. Um, you get two d six anti-infantry two up flamers on that thing, so you can fall back, yeah, flamer, and then and then charge like if you're trying to keep something tagged up, or you could charge something, and then fall back deeper into your opponent's deployments on the next turn than do homers in their opponent's zone. So I really like that utility. Um, and he's a good overwatch target, too. What a great unit. Three, yeah, he's great. I loved him. Um, like I said, just the mower wasn't it, but like the, the drone itself was good. And I was like, okay, well, if I slam to these anti-infantry 2 and ignore cover flamers on here, like now we're cooking. Um, three three Plague Burst Crawlers, uh, two with the Entropy Cannons, which are like Wish.com last cannons, and then one with the Anti-Infantry 2-Up Flamers. I was just really, really, really... People ask me about this all the time. I was like, look, Entropy Cannons are trash, but there's 24 inches, Strength 10, Lethal Hits, um, AP 3, D6 plus 1 damage. Like, people don't really want to call your bluff too much on those, because like... Yeah. If you if you just connect, then all of a sudden they're just eating last cannons. Yeah. yeah, so they're mostly here just to keep people from standing out in the open. Um, I don't want people getting stuff against me for free, and like that includes like standing in the open, you know. Um, but I changed one of them to the flamers because people would put like storm boys in my backfield, pop plus two to charge, and then charge my home objective, or they were like fire and fade like hawks on my home objective or stuff like that, you know, because it is OC four and it's got it's big, but. I just didn't like people putting nonsense and we're back there and we were playing on GW terrain and it's very hard to shoot backwards um, at your home objective once you pushed forward. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to waste, I don't want to waste indirect shooting backwards, you know, especially because I would have to fall back that play burst crawler, which means that play burst crawler can't shoot, which means yeah, that's one third of my play burst crawler is not shooting indirect. Yeah. So putting the flamers to threaten the overwatch and then, if they still make the charge, if they survive some reason, now they have to take like battle shock potentially. Um, 
and then they get flamed in combat. Like it just it just seemed like a no-brainer to me. Um, especially because he wasn't using the entropy cans while he was hiding behind a ruin in my on my home field objective. So I'm like, well, let's put flamers easy. Uh three rhinos. These guys actually were really, really, really good. Um the double plague combo bolters, when when you get close, it's eight shots with lethals. Um and then with the with the contagions making people minus one toughness, like it it actually was like a pretty surprising break point at strength four. Um, so between the lethal hits and the contagions, like they were actually picking up a lot of trash, especially like near the end of the game, and then the havoc launcher, and then three units of nerglings, which gave me just tons of resources for pushing buttons, doing actions, move blocking, um, pushing stuff up with rhinos, and then with my plague marines inside, and then I would like have the, the rhinos like up against walls. And I put like Nurglings behind it. I'll be like, okay, well, if you want to punch the rhinos, you're minus one to weapon skill, you're minus one to hit. If I really care, I'll make you minus one damage. And then a bunch of dudes are just gonna spill at the back and they're gonna flame you and shoot you. And like yeah. one of them is gonna have like fight first. It just created this whole like multi-layered problem for people. Um, so that's the list top to bottom. Uh, great. people are not familiar, people are not familiar with Death Guard. The big thing is that Biologist does two things. One, he lets you uh, use the grenade stratum if it has not been, um, even if it's been used in that phase, and it's once per game for each biologist. So it's like a big combo where you use a plague marine squad with no no characters attached to it, and you grenade with that unit for one CP, and then you grenade with every single biologist um, for free. So it's realistically like twelve mortal wounds. Then, ty then Typhus comes in. Ty on a two-up, Typhus always does a super smite, basically. It's D6 mortals on a two-up. On a six, it's D3 plus three. Um, so if you do that, and then you shoot... My, my first RTT, I went 3-0, and I didn't realize you could shoot after grenades. So I was just, like, grenading people, but, like, not shooting. So... <laughs> So I did I did I did not make that same mistake this time. Just so damn it. I love it. So I would so I would type a smite people, I would grenade people, then I would shoot the crap out of them, then I would charge them. Yeah. Um and then the other thing the biologist does is he gives you an assault weapon, which lets the guys, the smaller units, um advance an action in addition to advance and shoot. Like so they can advance and shoot or they can advance an action, which is yeah. really great because they move eight inches out of rhino. Now they move eight plus D six in the action, so it was really good for like action economy that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but he also gives the entire unit lethal fives, which is huge. Um, not really, I don't really have rerolls in this army, but like lethal fives is huge because there's a strat. There's a well, I, actually, he gives you the unit has lethal fives on a lot of the stuff, um, but he gives you the criticals, and so when you um. When you pop the uh, there's a strat where you get exploding sixes, and so with him it's exploding fives, and so and if it's on a unit that you stickied, or an objective that you stickied, it's Tesla fives. Yeah. So there's like a full combo with the template marines where you pop, uh, you already have lethal fives, then you pop extra AP and all your weapons. So all your heavy weapons are AP three, and all your um, plate knives and close combat weapons are uh, AP one. Um, and like every dude that isn't doesn't have a heavy heavy weapon basically has like four strength four AP zero damage one attacks which are now AP one, um, and pretty much all the stuff that's lethal is now lethal fives and then everything is like Tesla fives also Tesla you know yeah. and it's just and it's just yeah. this ten man unit just hits so hard the the death shots hit like kind of hard but the ten plague unit hits real hard 
Uh, and then that's also the unit that the foul white spawn would go in. So whenever you would, if you got close to them, in addition to being fight first, they would have three flamers that were um, ignore cover with some AP and then anti-infantry two up. And the uh, the foul blight spawns gun was like AP two with like damage two or something like that. Uh, so his hit a little bit harder. So you just eat like the world's nastiest Overwatch, and then like whatever pieces of you are left, if if you decide to still charge at that point, still commit, you would just lose it. Um, so that behind a wall like created like a ton of problems for people. Yeah, that's tough. It's like try to deal with it. And you're like, okay, cool. That'll be twelve. Just take these, take this damage, and then make approximately fifteen saves at minus yep. two AP. Good luck. And then I like to call this the the green triangle of doom because uh, this is what I did for almost every single game. I just did that. <laughs> <laughs> this is so dirty. <laughs> So, like I would literally just pick three objectives, and I just covered it with my entire army. Um, yeah. Now there was this this picture was taken after two rhinos had been popped, so there was three rhinos up here. Um, and usually the the rhino with the ten man dudes were kind of like a little bit further back. Um, you had to be careful with them because like you want you want people to like kind of activation lock by shooting the rhinos, or whatever. But right. if they push you too hard, like, and they forcibly disembark your guys from the rhino. Um, and then push, you're not going to be able to overwatch because you're battle shots. You can't like use those those stratagems. Um, so I was definitely kind of figuring out that a part of this game was kind of really kind of figuring out, well, what am I? What do I think my opponent's going to do next turn based on like what the board state is and how many resources he has? Like if he has a lot of resources and he's like looking like he's going to gear up to push, as long as he doesn't have indirect or he doesn't have like a ton of mobility, then I would like disembark the 10 man unit and I'd put them into like like a ruin or something like this. So that way if he tries to like come back here with like reserves or like something fast and peek the ruin, he eats an overwatch. Or if he just charges through the wall, then he fights first, you know. Um, but if they crack the rhino and then disembark, then like he doesn't have to worry about overwatch at that point. So it was just like little things like that. But usually what I would do is I would push up with the three rhinos into the center. Um one to two plague burst crawlers and a unit of nurglings would kind of like be on my home objective, just kind of covering as much of the puck as possible. And then almost everything else, like the, another plague burst crawler, the drone, um, some nurglings would like kind of like push up to the top objective, try to set up. And then I would kind of just wait to see what my opponent did. I would usually take homers and something else. Um, and then I would just try to indirect their trash off the board as fast as possible. And they try to make a big play on like my, my, um plague marines especially like my 10-man rhinos if they try to set up like multiple shots plus charges to like crack a rhino and then charge whatever's in um i would rapid ingress the terminators to be like right where their commitment was to punish the commit and that was generally kind of what i did uh, my secondaries were different every single game um but it was always it was it was homers four out of the five games but mm. it was it was a mix of stuff it uh, one was homers and cleanse. One was assassinate and bring it down. Um, a lot of them were like homers and a like a kill secondary. Uh, one of my games versus orcs, I did homers and um, storm hostile objective because I kind of figured there'd be a lot of objective flipping and no one would really be surviving on objectives. We'd basically just be uh, flipping objectives over and over until one of us ran out of units. Uh, so I kind of kind of took that as a bet hedge, and that was really that was really it. Money, Tim, we got to get you on the. You got to do the podcast parade now. You got to hit all the spots as an Iron Man winner. Nah, no, nah, I don't know. I kind of like the low key thing because it was a small GT and it happened like while the um, 
the world champs of Warhammer um, was going on. So it was it's kind of nice. I mean, we had we had some like local sharks that were there, but like all yeah. like as we like to call them, all the megalodons were like up in Atlanta. So. <laughs> Love it. Um, Love but it was good. Yeah, it was a, it was it was like 15 hours of Warhammer, and it was um, it was good. My last game was hilarious because like the round four against Ruben was. He he pushed. I pushed up some rounds to see what he did, and he pushed up Mazrog and he pushed up Beast Boss with Head Wappas. Uh, and he tried to do the thing like with the double charge and like kill one thing with the Rhino, and then yeah. the other thing charges the contents. Yeah. He did like four damage, he did like four damage to the Rhino. Oof. Um, so that didn't work. So I disembarked my entire army and I picked up Mazrog and the Beast Boss, just picked them all up, uh, <laughs> in shooting because I didn't really want him to fight Undeath. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to leave gas in the tank in the shooting phase and then try to charge him and then like have that like not be enough. And I take damage of like, that would have probably been like game ending. Cause he had a bunch of like, um, squig hog boys. And I think like when I was moving my rhinos out of the way, I could have been a little bit cleaner. I could have set up like more boot blocks or whatever. Cause he got a little more squig hogs in the next turn. I wanted to, but I was able to boot block some of them with nerglings. Um, but like my entire, I got both of them, but my and I also really, really, really messed up the flash kits that turn because um, he had disembarked them, tried to take some shots at the terminators. I think he killed two, but then I picked up eight flash kits uh, with my return shooting, and then picked up Mazrog and the Beast Boss. But now my entire army was disembarked, and he had eighteen. Well, you know, he had nine Squig Hogs and a and a War Boss with ten knobs with power claws, like coming in hot. So I was kind of like, you know, clenching cheeks a little bit. Um, and it was it was very bloody, but like after the water turn fall off, fell off, like I just had a lot of MSU units. And I just had like a lot of um, a lot of volume, like the from the the rhinos shooting, the playburst crawlers were getting involved, stuff like that. The terminators were slowly like pushing their way up the field, and eventually I was able to close them out. Um, and I ended up winning that bone by three. Whereas my the top table game was actually kind of like a gentleman's game where I set up the triangle, and he set up in the far corner. And he basically was just sitting on two every turn. I don't even remember. I think he went tactical. And I just took cleanse and homers. I set up the triangle of doom. And I just started like hitting the buttons on the secondaries as fast as I possibly could. And by like by turn three, by the time he realized what, what was going on, I was yeah. up at like 35 points. Yeah. Put him on and a timer. Like, oh. and, <laughs> and he was like, oh fuck. You know, and so then he like started to push. Yeah. He like he like he he like pushed everything through to kill like a plague burst crawler. And he killed it, and the Incarn showed up. But I was minus one water skill, bliss skill. And so the Incarn, like, attacked the other Plaguebirds crawler and, like, didn't yeah. just kind of bounced. Um, and then the 10 man Plague Marine Rick came back. I spent all the CP on that unit and just picked the um, in combat only because I didn't, I didn't shoot anything else that turn because I didn't want her to, like, escape my grasp. Yeah. Um, I just picked up the Incarn from full in combat with the 10 man Plague Marine Brick. I was just like, yes. you're out of here. Yeah. And then I piled into the Hawks, and I was like, if you leave, you're going to get flamed harder than you've ever been flamed in your life. <laughs> and then that was kind of it. Like, And then that was it. I like, I think I won. It was like 99-81 me. Like, I didn't even try to stop his points. I just I just set up on a triangle and just did my own thing. Yeah. And like, yeah. and he pushed, he pushed, he bounced, and then we ran out of time, basically. And we, we finished that game in like an hour. That's awesome. Love it. What was it, man? I've got, I've got prep questions. So... You played three games with one list that you know have been good, two games with another list that you know have been good, both piloted by like great players. And then did you play any practice games with the list that you were able to put together after your data analysis? No. 
Interesting. All right. So what did you think, what lessons did you pull out of like that first set of practice games with lists, uh, Max Vice's list? And then what did you pull out of the two games with Liam BSL's list? Um, so Max's list, I kind of like learned the power of MSU. And then mm. Liam's list, I kind of like learned the power of hammer units. Um, and so when that list kind of came together with the, um, with like the data analysis pulling, I was kind of pleasantly surprised to see that it was kind of like I saw the opportunity to do a little bit of both. Yes. So I had like I had the raw material of like 30 play marines and like six death shrouds, like stuff that the data was telling me to take and stuff that had kind of shown it up in like one or both lists. So I basically it kind of almost like wrote itself because like I said, I had one terminator character and Max Max's list, there's three terminator characters. Um there was a Lord of Ireland, Lord of Contagion, and Typhus. Which he then swapped to two Lords of Contagion, which I really like that change because it gives the Terminators full hit rerolls, makes them much mm-hmm. more viable with the lethal hits. Um, and that was the version I played at the RTT. But this one, I had one Terminator character and six Death Shroud, and all the bonuses that they that Typhus and the Death Shroud get are defensive in nature. So it just kind of made sense to kind of stick them together um, to get yeah. to get to get more value. Like because like if you go pure MSU. Yeah, it's pure MSU is really good. It's just sometimes like you don't really get that big red button of mm-hmm. strat efficiency. And a lot of times you're like, oh, I want to spend the strats, but like this unit is small, you know, so I'm not yeah. going to get as much efficiency out of it. And then the um, Liam was running 10 man bricks with the foul blight spawn and the um, biologist. He was running a couple of them and I liked it, but having so many, it kind of felt like there was a lot of situations where I needed to get play greens out to do a job, but I didn't want to get out 10 Marines and two characters. Like mm-hmm. it was like a big, it was, a, I had to take care of a small problem, but the only thing I had left to take care of it with was a big unit. And I didn't want to give my opponent that kind of value. So having that kind of like middle ground was really, really, really nice. That's dope. Did you have, um, how soon after playing those lists, did you find yourself thinking like, okay, I think I have a sense of like, what deployment's gonna look like, what turn one's gonna look like, what turn two's likely to look like, and then be in a position to like start making more adaptive decisions from there on out. Uh it was within a week. I like basically my first game with Death Guard was like two weeks prior to this event. Um so it was basically I got um I basically got a practice game with Liam's list, then I had the RTT with Max's list, and then I had another practice game with Liam's list, and then I showed up with this list. And I was actually just kind of just like I said, this was supposed to just be practice for Warzone Atlanta, but it was it ended up working well. So that's awesome. And like just a really a really accessible path for someone who is X and one or looking to be X and one and do a little bit better to take, right? Like the data's all out there. Yeah, that's information's I, out I say there. Yeah, the like playtesting and trying to like figure stuff out and like, you know, is it's fun. Like playing Warhammer is fun. Discovering new things is fun. Finding a new con- concept is fun. Um, but there's like multiple ways to have fun. Like I just have fun playing a game. I don't care if I'm playing with someone else's list. Like it's mm-hmm. not a big thing. I don't. I don't really like think about like list owners. It's cool to be like to say like you're the one that created a list, but like I, it's no one really cares. You know, uh, like that uh, Blade Runner. Like that Blade Runner quote. It's like you know, tears of the rain. It's just yeah. in a year. Like no one's gonna remember who wrote the list. Yeah. Um, but so I basically just hyper focused on picking up what was proven to be good and then working on like matchups and like working on like those just like those little things, um, making sure that I knew the restriction, one, learning the rules, trying to like commit on to muscle memory, 
and like learning the restrictions and the rules so you don't accidentally cheat. Um, because it's like nothing worse than finding out like you made like a huge swing in the game and then like you kind of have to be like, okay, well, this this really like changed the game, so now I'm just gonna forfeit or I'm gonna flip the score, and now my runs over, you know, it doesn't feel good. All that prep work for nothing. Um, or when you look at it, you're like, oh man, I can totally shoot after I do grenades, you know, like that sort of thing. Um the this a lot of the strategies for Death Guard, they have like an extra stipulation, like like kind of like a, a second level if you're on an objective you control. Mm-hmm. Um and there's a couple situations I think of where like one or two things like lived on a wound or two, and like it ended up being fine, but if I just remembered those rules, it wouldn't have lived on a wound or two. Like and at that point it's like it's like a branching timeline where where the rest of my game is much easier. So um but a lot of the prep work was I said just consuming a little bit of content creation. Um, and there's, mm-hmm. I saw some questions about this. I don't want to bury the lead, but I don't consume nearly as much content as I used to. Yeah. Um, because I think there's a saturation point where it actually starts hurting you. Um, so to steal a uh, phrase from uh, Steve Trimble, he likes to keep his brain clean. Um, I love that term. <laughs> so um, I love it. When when I was when I was trying to learn this army, I basically pulled up Max's list, which was clearly was proven and it seemed pretty straightforward and seemed like good stuff. And then I listened to a couple pieces of his content, asked him some questions I still had afterwards, and then that was it. I didn't listen to like any content, like podcasts or content or anything like that for like the next two weeks. You know, I just. All my free time was like basically just like in the index data cards, like just reading the the weapons and the profiles and the rules and just really trying to like get an idea of like how this army plays on the table, how I think it's going to move on the table, deploy, and how it's just going to come together. Uh, so I was just laser focused on that. So instead of listening to podcasts and that kind of stuff, it was a lot of time on like Wattpedia and the index cards and just kind of just just studying it sounds it sounds lame but like when i was at break at work or stuff like that i would just i would just be studying you know yeah, yeah. for the exam man finals are serious yeah man that's dope that was so, it i've been thinking about like sort of adjacent to the mostly because i like really want to put custodians on the table and not make a total fool out of myself um thinking about taking an adjacent approach where you see what's working for a similar list or a similar style or a similar faction and see whether that's something you can explore in your own if your own is just sort of like down in the dumps like looking yeah. at anthony's world leaders list and being like okay we've got some like fights first access we got karn we got decent cc but it's really just character movement uh, or character transports who are like actually doing a lot of heavy lifting eight bound to going crazy you're doing a lot of objective work um and you're actually not playing hyper aggressive you're playing much more of a like be, be appropriately aggressive when threatened, but it's like a lot of counter punching, you know. Yeah, um, it's a little it's a little hard because custodians don't they don't really do the transport game as well as, as right. so like a lot a lot of the top armies out there right now is like um like CSM, Votan, Black Templars, yeah. World Eaters, um, you know, Death Guard, all orcs, all it's like it's like all good stuff in transports, and that's because yeah. of the night spinner. Um the night yeah. spinner is single-handedly warping the meta. Um, custodies are deathly allergic to the dev wounds yep. and they don't, they don't like the idea of paying for transports, but I could be convinced to like test out, um, 
like a land raider or like a coronas or something like that you know um i is it ideal no but like when you get to like the kind of like the bottom quarter of the meta like there's almost like a thermocline there's two thermoclines when you look at like the meta dashboard yeah there's the one there's the one where everyone flocks to your your uh your faction and it's like it's like a certain level where you just hit that critical mass and now like it's just like moss to the flame everyone's yeah. in their faction yeah and then there's and then there's a second one where like basically all everyone 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 just jumps off abandoned you know? ship like you'll have yeah. Abandoned ship, you know, just everyone like even the most like diehard person yeah. if they have multiple armies and they're trying to like win, like they'll finally just like give up and it'll just, and it'll just go move to something else. You know, yeah. it's kind of like it's like it's like the Scaries and the Seaglers of the world. You know, like like Tricari or or Admec or Tal. When you see them jump off your faction, like it's time, man. You, you know, know, it's over. And so yeah. <laughs> and so when you're and so when you're below that second like thermocline it's really hard because you have to um you have to kind of be like your own champion you know like you have to be like why is this faction so bad and like that's where you have to like really like think outside the box to like try to make it work and it's it's yeah. tough it's tough work because now you are you're innovating because there's no one else right it's not like oh i'm gonna find something that works as an alternative to what is currently working and popular like now nah, if i don't figure it out it's just over uh it will continue to be over for the near future Tough. Yeah, I was like, oh, I don't know, maybe like Alea with some sisters and a rhino could do some of like really, really wish.com Karn work, but not really. Um, maybe I just like rapid ingrace terminators over the course of a couple of turns. Like, I don't know. Was, I was, I was I spiraling at a list the other day, just like, oh, this is so frustrating with lethal hits and how they work and our lack of cheap transports. I could, uh, I could see like maybe a, um, kind of thing where you're doing like what the death guard are doing where it's just kind of like you you pick three objectives and you form your triangle and you're just taking stuff like cleanse and homers and you're basically just being like and you're just setting up defensive posture and you're and you're just trying to get to the board state where you lock in those three objectives as soon as possible because you know how like sometimes you start in the bottom corner and the one at the front is like the one that takes the most punishment yeah um and it's the hardest to hold from a durability standpoint but the one on the top left is the hardest to hold from a mobility standpoint um, because it's usually kind of like the farthest one from your deployment zone that you're pushing mm-hmm. up to. And then the other two objectives are like the ones where you're disrupting your opponent's score. Um, so that's what I was doing with the Death Guard with like all the mech and everything because the first two turns of the game, like I'm actually kind of fast. The Plague Burst Crawlers move 10, the Drone moves 10, the Rhinos move 12, you know, like Nurglings infiltrate, Terminators are in deep strike, like setting for rapid ingress. So the army's faster than it looks, or as fast yeah. as it needs to be. Because I'm only really playing like two thirds of the board. Um, I could see a world where you do something different, like or you do something similar. You know, like you have the um, you have the Curia Draxus, who I think like makes like it can make a unit like loan op or something like that. Right. Loan op, it's similar, usually like that, you know. Yeah, and like and you're and you're just doing stuff like loan up and you're like layering in the fight first, and you know, and like maybe like you said, like maybe you take in like a Coronas or a Land Raider, just and like that that one pushes to the top left objective. Uh, and it's kind of durable and kind of park there for a little bit. And then you have like rhinos with sisters that are kind of pushing up to the front objective, and they're just trying to be like the initial holders until like your foot slogging troops can like get up there next to it, you know, something like that. I could see something like that potentially working and you're basically just trying to get into the objectives first and then you start setting up this like multi 
convoluted like activation locking fight first kind of thing that's kind right. of high durability you know and then, like, overwatch you with the sisters unit with 10 flamers and if you try to charge it then i hate with this fights but like it turns it turns into a thing but yeah it's all you're just like you're like working really hard to get to slightly above 50 percent overall win rate if i play this really well uh, against I, a I field, which is doable the, but yeah the, the points are going to hurt you know the points hits that you took like are going to hurt because it sounds like you're, you're going to need a lot of stuff to make that happen but i could see like something like that totally working yeah uh cliff my my headphones are actually starting to die so why don't we break this up uh and we're going to change subject i want you to monologue about your horse heresy kind of thing while oh, I God, be great. i'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to switch to the uh, the dork headset here in a second, so that's gonna take me a couple minutes to do. And so while you do that, I want you to I want to hear you monologue about the horse heresy thing. Got it. All right, viewers, listeners, come on a trip with me. So my local store, which I actually really like, like it's a good spot, it's a good place. Horse heresy uh, league is going to be starting up, and there was like a survey out in the out in our Discord. that was like, hey, what's going on? Here are the proposals, et cetera, et cetera. And like as a custodies fanboy, I was like, dope, like. This is literally my favorite faction in the entire lore. I'd love to get involved with Horus Heresy. Um, I don't know anything about that game at all. I've never played it, but like read a bunch of the background. I used like a bunch of bad ad war stuff from the last version of Horus Heresy as um, like picture inspiration for the way I'm doing these Raptors. Uh, cool, I'm down. And start reading through the rules. And like one of the rules is the Custodes faction is banned <laughs> completely. But Sisters of Silence are allowed. And I was like, well, damn, like, that hurts. And so, like, in our Discord, I was, like, pretty upfront about, like, man, that kind of hurts for community building and, like, feels pretty hostile if you're a Custodes player. Um, and then I got the rundown. Again, I don't know anything about Horse Heresy or the meta or what's good and what's not. Um, but I got the rundown that apparently they're, like, extremely overpowered in the game. Um, every I guess Custodian Guard are, like, the best thing ever. And everybody runs, like... 50 to 60 guard and they crush, yeah, to Kelly's point in the chat, they like crush Marines immediately and it's just over for you. Um, and I was like, all right, cool, I get that. And also like, I'd be a brand new player. I know nothing about that. I would love to bring like, not just custodian guard to roll over people, but instead bring like, I have like a Telemon that I love. I have, a, I have an Achilles that I love. Like I have tanks that I love. I have guard and Aqualon Terminators that I love. Like I like putting cool hobby stuff on the table. So I was I was pretty vocal about the notion that like trying to prevent seal clubbing in a new community is not about like banning factions. For example, you could imagine someone starting a 40k league at the beginning of 10th in the league being like, you know what, we're just gonna ban Eldar completely. And like, I mean, you could, and like there's a universe where maybe that makes sense because they were pretty crazy. But also, like, the people who are interested in clubbing seals coming in are going to try to find a way to do that no matter what. And the best way to get around that is to, like, have a conversation with them about what you're trying to do as community and, like, the way that you're trying to onboard new players to, like, build up interest, passion, all that stuff uh, for the years to come. And, like, banning people from playing the things that they like is not the move, I don't think, ever. Um, but having like adult conversations about what sort of community expectations you're setting and what you're trying to build is like that always works. And I was talking about how like I've had games where I got absolutely blasted um, that were super fun. And I've had games that I won where that were like god awful experiences uh, that I don't want to do again. And the, the winning and the losing parts of those are sort of independent from like how enjoyable an experience it is. So that didn't land well. 
<laughs> and so I may or may not uh, end up actually joining this Horus Heresy League because it didn't seem as if that was the vibe in 30K. And I was like, you know what? Maybe like maybe I'm wrong. Like it could just be the vibe. I could just like be taking the wrong approach. Let me go check out. Um, this is the mistake I made. Let me go check out the Horus Heresy Reddit. Hit the sub, see what's up. Like see what the general vibe is in that community. And the like vibe, the vibes are off. Bro, the <laughs> like I swear to God, like, oh my God. I should have been preparing for a screenshot for it. So there's like a new play, like new player guide post that you read. Um and no, like, shout out to you if you're a Horace Heresy player, like, keeping it positive and real and casual and cool and doing all the right things that, like, normal people would do if they're trying to build a friendly community up. The first post for new players is, like, remember, this is a narrative game. And we're trying to recreate, like, historical fiction and the battles therein. I'm like, cool, I'm with it. Immediately following that advice about, like, emphasizing the fluff and the lore and the hobby and all that, is a new player guy that's like, now that now that we've established that, here's all the ways to build like an extremely competitive overpowered list. <laughs> and like one of them is no joke, like find a way to build a Death Star. I'm like, what is like you can't say both of these things at the same time. And like, Tim, you've talked about this before. A lot of when when people pretend to be casual, but are actually like, nah, I just want you to bring worse models to me so I can beat you up. <laughs> Like that's not real. That's the that's the worst kind of experience that you can have in this game because like you're coming in with like your three monoliths or whatever, and you're like in there for the jokes. And you think you guys are on the same page, and then like they're coming in with um, you know whatever nonsense is in the Eldar Codex still because it's still an absolutely ridiculous book. And you're like, cool. I thought we were on the same page, but I guess not. Um, yeah, it just seemed like the first post itself just seemed like dishonest, and that that sucked. So I was like, "All right, maybe I just don't play this. That's fine. Yeah, this is what it is." I'll be honest. That's why that's why I only play tournament and practice events now. Because at this point, I am so deep into that rabbit hole where I just can no longer <laughs> I can no longer turn it off. Like I yeah, just right, right. like the way I read data sheets and the way I read a board is just. At this point, just even the way I construct, if I put like artificial constraints on myself, I still construct I'm still optimizing within it. Yeah, I'm constructing with a purpose, like a job, you know, it's just, yeah, just certain things that you just get to the point you can't do. Yeah. Um, it's just nice when you go to tournaments, and like, presumably, you know, it varies a little bit by region, but presumably, everyone like knows like what's up, you know, like it's kind of like, yeah. hey, you're not a dick, everyone knows that you're gonna try to show up and give like your best game. Um, yeah. That being said, I do like I like one of my like guilty pleasures is um when I get to do I don't get to, I haven't seen one in a long time, but I always love doing the Highlander RTTs. Oh so those great. Are, like those because those really kind of it's just enough enough of a twist. Yeah. You have to like kind of like think outside the box like a little bit, you know? Yeah. And it's like if you only get to bring one thing, you're like, well, do I make that thing an MSU? Or do I make it like a big hammer unit because I can only bring one of it, you know? Like, or if you have like multiple units competing for the same type of like characters or false multipliers, but you can only bring one, it's kind of like, mm, who's gonna who's gonna get it, you know? So I really like the questions that poses during list building, and it prevents you from just like if if one if it's a data sheet that's causing your your book to be kind of like busted or a little over the top or something like that, um, it kind of caps how out of control that can get. Yeah. 
Yeah, I appreciate that. I just, it just seemed there's like a level of disingenuousness in saying that you're like casual, fluffy, lore experience first, and then immediately focusing on the competitive viability of factions or units as a means to limit the game. Because then you're saying like, oh, you actually don't, you actually don't care that much about the like not winning or losing. You care a lot about winning and losing such that you're like changing the way that we're going to play the game. Um, in that, you know, which is fine. Just like, let's just be real about it, you know? Yeah, just like, this is one of those good times to say the quiet part out loud. You know, there's a lot of bad yeah. times to say the quiet part out loud. That, that, that term is used mostly for like bad situations. But this is like one <laughs> where we're all kind of like being coy and tap dancing around it, but it's like, come on, man. Like, yeah, like come on, it's just- we, 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 we know what's up, you know, let's, yeah. let's yeah. stop gaslighting ourselves here. It's cool. Um, you got anything else you want to talk about, or you want to? We had a lot of questions, man. I'm kind of feeling oh, like I think some of these questions were kind of like stuff we kind of touched on dance around, uh, yeah. in the episode, anyhow. So I'm kind of thinking that, like, if we start hitting the questions, like, they're actually gonna yeah. lead to some really good conversations. Some of these questions I could tell are gonna become conversations. That's good. No, let's, yeah, let's jump to the questions. I can do dashboard updates later this week when they actually like throw them out. Yeah, um. And then also if we have time at the end, we can also like do a quick little plug about like dashboard stuff like that too. Cause mm -hmm. you're you're doing so much cool stuff with the dashboard and ELO and that kind of stuff. Um and it also is really cool to see um I'm starting to see that dashboard more and more in the wild. And also I'm starting Ooh. to see ELO more and more um in the vernacular the public vernacular, not so much mm -hmm. like in the public places like Reddit and Facebook, but like yeah. with a lot of the um the players who are traveling and going to a lot of events or playing team mm -hmm. events, stuff like that more and more of them seem to be trying to like like are starting to like figure out what elo is or, or realizing the value of it stuff like that um yeah. and it's becoming more accepted with that group and um it's that's eventually going to like kind of like filter down like especially has been mentioning a lot of the stat check stuff and yeah. the elo stuff in their videos so that's gonna that's gonna filter down eventually yeah. shout um, out our war crew y'all do yep. good work uh, this this past weekend, man, they were just absolutely upstanding. Like in addition to being like incredibly dominant, they were just being absolutely upstanding from a sportsmanship level. It was really cool. Oh to see. yeah, those guys are. I mean, they're chill. It's not about playing the right way. They're, yeah. They play the right way. Uh, okay. So first question, not from Dan F. Not a question, but I hope you all have a wonderful and relaxing Thanksgiving surrounded by ones you love. Oh. Uh, thanks, Dan. You too. Uh, we yeah, are going man. to. I said we're gonna do wake up tomorrow early, do a little run with the family and some friends. Then we're gonna have some uh, have some good food. And then we're gonna finish up by watching some good old American football. And then I'm gonna go to sleep with a bowl with a belly full of uh, turkey and sweet potatoes. Additional bonus for the American people: you get to watch the New York Jets get probably demolished by the Dolphins on Friday, which is Ooh. great. Just great. Yeah. Uh, I'm I am unfortunately a Cowboys fan, um, but I know Ooh. I know locally down here the Dolphins fans are going to be very excited. They're crazy, yeah. I'll just be sad. Um, second part from Dan. Now for the question: uh, If it is hasn't been covered already, how do you go about putting the stink on people? Um, well, yeah. you're just in luck. We did kind of break it down. Um, I'm very happy to join the hollowed ranks of uh, Death Guard event winners this edition. This edition, yeah. I think I think there's four Death Guard event wins. Um, but TLGR is, is 30 Plague Marines and 3 Rhinos and then push the Rhinos into the center objective, shoot some PBC at some trash, and then see what your opponent does. It's a little more involved in that, but like almost every single one of my first turns went the exact same way. 
which is good. It's really good for clock management because you're just like rhinos, indirect, homers, pass turn. We got to get um. This will be this will be the, a job for our Discord. We, we got to get somebody to take the Stankonia album cover and throw up the uh, Biologus and Typhus helmets up. That'd be good. On Andre three thousand, big boy. And then just I mean, hell, I, hell, I might do that instead of getting some seats, right? <laughs> um, so he's like, "What are you doing?" I'm just like, "Nothing. Shut up." <laughs> <laughs> She's like, "Go to bed." Um, from uh, Rickard, question for Tim. A few people struggle with fitting in a weekend GT into hectic schedules. After doing an Ironman, do you feel those have a place, a space in the event scene? We've done a few in Ottawa. I very much enjoy them. Uh, yes, I do. However, if you do not, if you have maybe not been taking care of yourself mentally and physically, um, an Ironman is going to take its toll on you it's going to it's going to take on your toll on you in general but i mean i think that was a that was a big part of um a big part of this weekend was going into round four like i was i was i was feeling really good um i i kind of didn't eat good that day but i've been going after post wtc i've been going back to the gym i've been eating well you know i've been trying to be active every single day um be a little more mindful of my eating stuff like that um and I felt it during the, I had tons mm. of energy from 8.30 in the morning all the way to 11.30 at night. Awesome. Um, it was good. And I was on, I was moving around. I was on my feet the entire time. Like I basically um, ate some Cuban pastries and Cuban coffee when we got there. Had like two, three slices of pizza and a Coke Zero for lunch. Uh, guy gave it, did a clutch uh, Chick-fil-A run at like 10 o'clock at night. Um, and then I... I did two trips back to my house to let my, my, my wife and kid were out of town. I did two trips back to my house, which is three minutes away and let the dogs out. But I was like, I was like up and moving like the entire time. Um, but I would say I, I like the Ironman a lot because I mean, I, I felt like hammered dog shit the next day. Um, I, had to, I had to go to work and like, I had to go to work at 9am on a Sunday. Um, and I was um, those those Gatorades, um, those Gatorades that are like Pedialytes, they're called like Gator Lights or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I had like two of those in the morning and I felt better about two hours in my shift, but I felt like I'd been out partying like all day long uh, the yeah. next day. I was, I was, those first two hours at work, I was hurting. Um, but the then I was talking takes a toll for real. Like the amount of talking you do over the course of a tournament is like, that's real. Well, the amount of, the amount of like thinking too, like your, your, your gray matter is like definitely burning calories. Like when you're thinking, you know, and like you're, you're standing up or whatever. Like luckily the tables were like kind of a little bit taller. So it wasn't like killing my lower <sighs> back or anything like that. So good. Yeah. So that was really nice. Um, and I wore good shoes because that that section where most of the tables are in, especially the top tables at that store, it's an expansion, and so it doesn't mm. have finished floors yet. So it's just raw concrete. Oh, that's tough. Yeah. Um, so I wore I wore good shoes for that. Um, but yeah, Ironmans are great. Um, I wouldn't make them the default for like GTs, whatever. But like I think like kind of like interspersing them in is good because like sometimes people just want the two day experience, like. You know, some people they just they can they can hang, they can do it. You know, and it's just like if they got to work weekends or they're like a shift worker, like EMTs, policemen, nurses, stuff like that. You know, it's hard to get time off work. And if you give them that, if you give them the opportunity to go to GT in a single day, like they'd probably really appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, next question: Thanksgiving tier list. That is like super wide open, but I'm gonna assume we're talking about food. Um, 
for me, S tier yams. Um, yeah. Rest of S tier. There is no S tier, but there is a big, big section of A tier. Um, turkey, spiral ham, uh, good mashed potatoes with the peel left on, uh, and some garlic. Um, mac and cheese done well. Mac and cheese, yes, mac and cheese, mac and cheese. That might be borderline S tier. Um, and then I like like scalp potatoes with cheese are really good too. Mm. Um, then like. B tier it would be like stuffing, mostly because like B tier stuffing is interesting. That feels that feels like a hot take. It is a little bit of a hot take, but like like some people's stuffing is just trash. It is just Fucking trash. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and you yeah, never know yeah. like which stuffing you're gonna get. You know, like I've never seen someone show up with bad sweet potatoes. You know, but I've yeah. and like the yeah. turkey. As long as you have like, as long as it isn't like super dried out. Even if it is super dried out, you put some gravy on the white meat. Like you're good. You know, yeah, or you just yeah. or you just get in there quick and you grab all the dark meat for everyone else. And like you usually, are fine. <laughs> but if someone just brings like if someone just like some people just you know like some people they just do weird shit and you're yeah. just like why are you the way you are? Sometimes those people show up to your house with stuffing and you look at it and you're like, you know what is that? Like, why why did you do that? You know, like and you just eat it and you're like, Whoa! you know, like <laughs> so that's why it's B tier. So when it's good, it's like top of the list. When yeah. it's bad, it's like it's below real the tier list. You know, yeah. it's like outside yeah. of the computer frame. It is off yeah. the screen. Um, and then I don't know. I don't really care after all that. Like it's because it's all like all sorts of like side dishes that you only ever see like once every four like Thanksgiving stuff like that. You know, yeah. I my friend's giving was awesome because we had like a great like cultural mixing pot. So we had like we were getting like um, we were getting like deep south um, like like traditional like black like um, comfort food we we're getting like puerto rican dishes venezuela yeah, stuff go. you know like we were, we were just getting like a huge mix or whatever so that was really 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 cool that's um, got the okra done right yeah so we got we got yeah, all, yeah. Sort, oh, all so sorts of good stuff like it was really 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 someone got some more catfish you know which is my first time having yeah. catfish for thanksgiving and it was good it was catfish so, goes so hard when it's done well yes oh, well this one was done well you know but like i can't put that on thanksgiving tier list because i don't know when the next time i'm gonna have catfish for thanksgiving yeah. but it was it was up there um, but for me, like my, my, uh, my sweet spot is definitely like the sweet potatoes and yams. So they're just, okay. that, that is like, that is like Thanksgiving for me. Then it's like turkey and ham. And then I don't care after that, a roll maybe. Yeah. You're, so ham for me is like C tier. I can't, I can't fuck with ham. I can't do it. You don't love like ham? I fuck with ham. Yeah. I don't like uh, pork. I don't like pork, but I do love ham. Um, yeah. but I've also, I think I've kind of been like, Maybe I've been like abducted by like the local Miamians because like um, ham or like hamon as they call it like is such a big oh, yeah. part of like Cuban culture and yeah. it's just and that's everywhere down here and so but they do it really well um, yeah. so I'm I'm I might begin a little bit biased at this point. I'm with you. I throw mac and cheese. Well done, mac and cheese joins S tier with turkey for me. Yes, uh, especially when they put the good expensive cheese in there. Oh God. And it's like baked. And it's a little bit crispy at the top. And mm, oh, yeah. Man. Oh, when they, when, that, they, when they when they flash it with the broiler, like on the yeah, top rack, like just a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Mm. But then it's susceptible to the same thing that the stuffing is like. Every now and then, you get somebody to show up to your house. They bring a mac and cheese, and you're like, "What is this soupy nonsense? And why did you bring it in here?" Like, yeah, yeah. You you're like, "Why did you?" Well, and the worst part is, is like they when you're like when everyone's kind of like, especially if you're like one of those like you're doing like kind of like a potluck situation. You know, and they take yeah. that pot, 
And so it's like they take that spot and then they show up with trash. And I'm like, man, not only did you show up with trash, you basically told someone else who could do it way better not to do it. I got this. You locked it out. Why yeah. would you do that? Yeah. You you locked Jimmy out of the mac and cheese, and he showed up with like with like Caesar salad in a in a freaking bag. Oh, thanks. This is the this is the darkest timeline. <laughs> Great question. Um, that was a good question. Yeah. Uh, how many from Brendan? How many times did Tim use the grenade stratagem across the event? Over or under fifty? Um, <laughs> Gotta be over. Really? Surprisingly, not really. I think I. I think I use it so three biologists. I, I think I use it like maybe, maybe twenty five times the event, and that's that's me guessing. I don't. I think it was probably less than that because I think there was a lot of times where the only time I used I did the full combo was um, on my second orc game mm. where uh, Mark Parker showed up with like one hundred and twenty orc boys, ten flash kits, and a gargantuan squig off, and I was like. What a do boss. You know <laughs> what Death Guard do? And he's like, he's like, yeah, I know what they do. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay. You're going to learn. You're going to learn today. So he pushed, so I push up the rhinos and I put all like the, the I push up the rhinos, I push up the terminators on a flank, and I just put a bunch of Nurglings behind, like behind them all and then behind a wall so they can't be shot. Um, And I'm just kind of, and then I do homers and I'm like, your move and he pushes up with everything and he I does like across it. three rhinos he does like six wounds oh no. and i'm kind of like all right this is where i pick up your entire army and then <laughs> i so i did the full combo the gargantuan was squig off and it was on one wound and then like a lone pl plague marine like popped it with the plasma pistol um <laughs> and also he lost he lost 18 orc boys on the way in to a terminator overwatch because they have 76 anti-infantry four-up flamers. Yeah, yeah, um, that's hard. So he learned about that. Um, and then everything got out of the rhinos, did the combo to the orc boys, the big 10-man unit, flamed another unit. Um, I just had bolters and plasma and, like, just random weapons, and everything was, like, on lethal hit fives, and, like, yeah. he was everything was, like, all his shit was, like, minus one toughness, you know, yeah. and it was just, it was just so unbelievably brutal and he just had like scraps of crap and then i charged <laughs> and then he had like scraps of like just crap left and then when he fell back he like immediately lost it to like flamer overwatch you know and he was just kind of like just he was just like oh. and you the thing about parker is he's like known for getting salty but like in a really funny like boomer kind of way and it's just so <laughs> and he knows it too and it's just so so funny like two two of the other guys from miami dice they finished their game they like they like literally talked out the last two turns of their game really quick so they could spend a solid 15 minutes just watching parker just melt down as his entire <laughs> just got ripped apart <laughs> um so that was good um but usually besides that game most of the times it was like i would grenade here i would bio grenade here bio grenade there and the third biologist would be like in Guam or somewhere else, doing something else or like that, yeah. and then the next turn, I would grenade again, and then I would biologist grenade, and so it was kind of like I would use like, I would use like sixty percent of my output for grenades on this turn, and then forty percent of my output of this turn, and then I would like never really do it again. Um, the list had plenty of activations where I didn't really need to, I didn't really need to spend CP to kill stuff. Yeah, so. especially with the, 
the typhus like just running around like just this big old belly just like super smiting people God, so that guy's that guy's like my favorite dude um plus yeah. he's like i randomly oh actually hold on i'm gonna show you this real quick happy time what up sam welcome oh, it's like daytime over there do you eat lunch probably all right so you gotta remember i bought this army back in like june july when death card were terrible and i got it for like turbo cheap i think i paid like 600 650 and it came with everything i think i had to buy a biologist and then like two or three boxes of plague marines to feel like like what i've been running and that was it and when i was inventorying everything i had you know like most of the stuff was halfway finished or like base code or whatever and then randomly there was this guy wait let me oh, oh he looks good yeah that looks hold on a good. Let, me, let me turn off the the blur background so look at this dude let's go someone did good work on that bro he he is like he's like a pro painted typhus man yeah i'll post pictures in the discord i can't quite get to focus but like nice. he came out crazy good and just so happens he's like my favorite model too good work so, great model yeah so that was really cool so and, and also he never died the entire event i think i lost like four terminators over the course of the event so that was really awesome uh next question thanksgiving sides tier list um mac and cheese supremacy is what record says um that was just he just quoted uh preston's question so we already answered that um nikki d says if there's another tournament format that's named after another superhero what superhero should it be so i would say first of all i think iron man's like named after like the iron man race but let's just assume that it is named after like like uh tony stark iron man i would say maybe a hulk tournament and so if if a gt is five rounds at two thousand points a piece that's ten thousand points so i'd say the hulk would be you run six thousand points for game one and then you run four thousand points game two and then you're done <laughs> That's not right. I thought you were going Incredible Hulk tournament, and you have to have an Incredible Hulk at the beginning of each of your rounds of the GT. And then for, for some of the younger folks, Incredible Hulk is what the drink used to be called, where you mixed Hypnotic and Hennessy together into a single drink. It would turn green, <laughs> and, and it would turn green and taste terrible. But oh. like, you were you were good after Ugh. after a few. That is the nastiest drink I've heard since the Darth Vader, which is, <laughs> I was introduced to this in, um, way back when in a, some dumb dive bar on Virginia beach. And it was called, apparently it was called the Darth Vader because it will take you to the dark side. And all oh, it boy. is, is a Long Island iced tea, but, uh, instead of the, the splash of oh. Coke, they put a shot of Jaeger in it. Oh, yeah. Oh. It's all it's already just alcohol. Um, yeah, if you ever see me if you ever see me like in person, like not in a place where like I can't be screenshotted like in a chat with 400 people about it, <laughs> ask, ask me about that night in Virginia Beach. Oh, uh, I'll have stories. The next question, um, what is the greatest hobby sin one can commit? One thick coat, prime one sprue, etc. Which ones do you commit? Mm, I'm gonna let Cliff go first on this one. Gosh, there's the funny version, which is like painting your fucking rims, anything but black. 
<laughs> which is the one that I like fake care a lot about. Like really, honestly, aesthetically, you should just paint them black and then make the rest of it look nice. But I get it. If you want to do like desert theme and the whole thing is painted like Martian red on the outside, good. That's fine. You do you. Um, man, I think the genuinely tough stuff for me is when you have somebody who like, this will sound elitist now. If you're an event and you're saying, hey, we use battle ready or whatever, and you're like, yeah, you got to throw three colors on here, then like everyone needs to have three colors on there. And for me, it's a hobby sin to show up and skate by with like a bullshit version of three colors because you painted all the model one color and then the gun, a splash of something else, and then like maybe a stripe somewhere. Like, you know what you're doing. Cliff, I'm going to be honest. At the Stop GT, three of my 12 Nurglings were just prime coat. They were just prime Death Guard green with a huge, huge uh, non oil wash on them. But, but, but it was three of them, right? And the rest of them, look, I've seen them. They look great. Your yeah, the rest of them looked fine. Good. But, like, it was like I'd been up so, I was up so late painting Plague Marines where I'm just like, yeah. my eyes were bleeding. I was like, I like, can't. And so, like, with my dying breath, I assembled. <laughs> and primed and washed these stupid nerglings and I was like yeah. maybe like, maybe, maybe I'll paint like some horns in the morning and the morning yeah. came and I did not paint the horns yeah, no, no. they're also nerglings they're tiny it's hard to tell like I get it yeah but I was like, just like, I, was just like as, I basically like as nerglings died like and this is just kind of like a thing I do a lot of times like as long as it's not like a super critical moment where like millimeters matter or something like that like as stuff yeah. dies i'll just be like hey but do you mind if i'm on do you mind if i just places like with a painted model or something like that and i'll swap it out so as my army dies it gets better painted um for me my i had to think about this my hobby sin would be when people put any when people put basing material on the side of the rim like all the way on the side of the rim. Whoa, that might be worse I didn't it, even it, think it, about it makes that. your base look like an oatmeal cookie people do that I've seen it. Who's doing that? Psychopaths. Psychopaths are doing that. I replace it. I replace the black rim thing with that. That's awful. You can't do that. I didn't even know that was possible. Search pictures of it. It's, oh. it's it looks gross. <laughs> no, I'll search pictures of it. Hold on a second. No. Uh, <laughs> I like a very visceral reaction. Bases, oh. textured, side. Oh God, don't do that, please. Oh, oh, I think I, okay, this oh, is no. not quite what I'm it? looking for, but this one is, no, that's not it, dang it. Yeah, got, yeah uh, I'll happily get behind it. If you're oh, doing well, that here, right now. I found one, hold on, here, here, let me, this is from, and this isn't, this one's not even that bad. I've seen so much worse. Uh, what is happening? Yeah, that right there, and that's if you're that's doing pretty, that. You, yeah, you got to stop. That's that's fucking pretty terrible. mild. That's that is pretty mild. I've seen some like ones where like it is just like it is a goblin green oatmeal cookie all the way across. No, hard no. I understand this is all our own game. We don't want to yuck anybody's yum, but like if you're doing that, you're objectively wrong. Yeah, that is, that is that is that is <laughs> that is all yuck. Me. That is all yuck. No yum. Good lord. It literally did not occur to me as a possibility <laughs> in the range of things that I considered. Holy cow. 
Uh, from Jack Daniel Morris. Uh, oh man, I'm going to have to do this later. He wants me to do a lottery. The next time I have, Ooh. he wants me to do a lottery for the stat check members. I will, and then spin it. I will do that. <laughs> I'll do that at the end because if I can get Cliff to go on a long tangent, that'll give me like enough time to like ninja. Add hey. the there. Um, next question. From Griggs, congrats, Tim. Do you think the world champs revealed anything new about the meta? Um, I think it really showed how much um, how much skill is still like a thing. Like just because you have X faction and Y faction, and like supposedly these fact this is like not a great matchup for each other. Like you're not taking into account terrain, mission. Um, you know, there's an element who went first and dice. There is skill dif- like there is skill differential is a very real thing. You know, and there's like there's a certain point where like there, if there's a critical mass of skill difference, you know, like sometimes it doesn't matter if the matchup's bad. You know, you can just you can really, really, really do stuff. Um, so I think it reinforced that a little bit. It was interesting because like everyone was either Eldar or they were running a list that was like hard tech for Eldar. Yeah. Um, there was a little bit of people who were trying to do the thing where they went off the beaten path and they brought the faction that like no one was really planning for. And I think we saw that like at that level of play, like that just doesn't work. You know, you're just can't get unless, Yeah. Unless your list like just actually, actually like punishes like meta, like meta choices that meta lists are taking, you know, and like becomes like a true counter meta list. Like it just doesn't, that concept like doesn't work at that high level because these are all like GT and major winners for the most part, you know, like there was a couple events where it was just kind of like, you know, the same people were showing up over and over again. And like the, the gold GT fell down to like the people who placed like eight and stuff like that. But for the most part, like this was a room full of like, like super, like, like cutting edge, like killers, you know, like, yeah. like 1800 and 1850 ELO and up, you know, yeah, 1850 was like, 1850 was like the soft ELO. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that I was can do so, a little. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, this would be a perfect time. Do, do yeah. this. Talk about Elo. Talk about um, all your like the Elo and all that kind of stuff. The dashboard, and I'm gonna like fill out that uh, that wheel of names real quick. That lottery sitch. Yeah. All right. All right. So I'm gonna share. I'm gonna share screen. I'm gonna hit the dashboard to answer this question because I think there's some interesting comparisons in here. This is the uh, working draft. Yeah, you can see my stream. All right, cool. So this is the working draft that we've got in the background. We've got some cool new stuff here, like in anticipation of all these new books coming out, you'll be able to like click on a given faction, pop up on all the detachments inside, get the live comparisons of what's good and what's not, and then you can click on these, see their stats on the right side. It's going to be great. Anyway, so this is the current meta as of this weekend. Elder up top, then Chaos Space Freeze, then Lee's, all outside that 55% hard limit that we like to see on what a balanced faction win rate looks like. They're also doing quite well, especially Eldar and CSM in the event win universe and in the 4 event start universe and in the overrep universe and in the player population universe, right? This is what the like meta looks like. One of the cool things about the dashboard is that you can like slice data even by event. So we can scroll down, check out what it looked like for the World Championships Warhammer and see like, what is the player distribution like? What are the win rates, et cetera? And since there were like 170-ish players there, it's not like a small number of games played, especially for some of these factions. We've got like over 100, over 200, et cetera. Um, 
but here, the thing that I like most about like, so given what Tim said, which is true about these being some of the like, the best players in the world all coming together, not including folks that like don't really do singles because they're super team focused. I know there's a lot of folks in the EU, UK, overseas that do that. Um, and other folks just might not have been able to make it despite winning GTs. It gives us a pretty good sense of like what the bleeding edge meta looks like. And the positive record window here is super interesting to me because you can tell a few things. One, there are a few factions where like not a single person had a positive record, <laughs> which is brutal. Um, and then there's a bunch more factions where like a very low number of people had a positive record. That goes Leeds, Tau, Tyranids, Space Marines, Dark Angels, Thousand Suns, Chaos Knights, Adeptosaurus, Astronaut Time. Um, very few people in those places had positive records. And then you've got like, okay, these are what the top tier looks like, even among these folks. Like folks who won at least four and a half county draws or five out of their eight games. More if they like made the uh, shadow and like the eventual finals. But yeah, Templars doing well with seven players, a couple Orc players, five Necron players, three Blood Angels players. 18 Eldar players, um, which was a little over half of their entire player population, four World Eaters players, two Space Wolves players, two Death Guard players, and 10 Gas Space Ring players. Um, so there's like a clear sense that like these factions up here, if you're like a killer, really know the game, really know what you're doing, are like not a terrible place to start. Then there's just like the more aggregate analysis you can do. Look at the player population, you're like, all right, what did people think was good? Eldar, obviously. Then Cast Base Rings, the eventual winners. Then Tau, interestingly enough, then Templars. Um, but sort of off the wall about the Space Marine situation, why these look so crazy, is that like this was just John Lennon. Those don't know, just John carrying with his like very off-the-wall Vanguard lists. Though if you were in our Discord about a month ago, we were throwing stuff around about like, man. Centurion Devastators are like, would be kind of cool in the Vanguard Detachment, right? Um, so shout out to John for both executing with like, you know, spam under cost of shooting and also taking a, a spin auto list that was otherwise like not really being looked at by anybody. So yeah, hit the dashboard. There's gonna be cool new stuff like this out in the next few weeks. You can analyze by event, dive in there, take a look at what the World Championships uh, meta presented and see what kind of cool comparisons you got across the board. Hopefully that gave Tim enough time because I'm going to stop sharing now and return to yep. the screen. Uh, okay, let me, before I forget about it, let me share screen. You like that? Cliff, whatever you said, I can't hear you. You're muted. <laughs> I'm muted. I said, oh, that's good. <laughs> you like that? Slam that <laughs> Uh That is... Um, the prototype logo, it's like 90% it's like done. We're going to do a little bit of optimization, yeah, like that, just, a but, um, just a little touch. But that was actually, I don't even know how it started, but there is a running gag slash meme in the Chaos Knight section of the Stat Check Discord. Um, and the energy is just insanely chaotic in there. Um, it's, so really, it's really hard to put it into words. You kind of just... If you're not a member of that Discord, or if you are and you don't go to the Chaos section, just spend a day in the Chaos oh, Knight yeah. section. It is, it is something. Um, but and anyhow, the meme is kind of just kind of taking on life. Um, now it's like it's all about the hogs. Um, and now we're going to be doing in the near future objective markers and dice, uh, just kind of commemorate this ridiculous 
uh, emergent joke that is kind of come on. So I, I just thought it'd be funny to throw that in there as the, uh, the background image. All right, I'm going to do three spins because I don't know how many spins uh, Jack is looking for here. But first one, we look at that hog go. That hog is cranked. <laughs> Literally, you're cranking this hog. Uh, who's going to land on? In Okay. Number two. Genius. Genius. Look at Nathan. Roberts. Nathan Roberts. <laughs> Last one. Cranking that hog. Crank, 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 all right. Got him. That was fun. Hogs cranked. Yeah. So let me post. Let me see. Ennis. You and Dan. Yeah, it's not let me post. I'll just remember that later. So Ennis, uh, Nathan R, and Typhus. Don't let us forget. Okay. On to the rest of the questions. If I can find where I went. Where is it? Oh, no. Totally lost my place. Oh, nope, found it, found it, found it, found it. Found it. Yeah, yeah. We have so many channels now. Um, bah, bah, bah. Scrolling up, scrolling down. Okay, uh, from Dan. Tim, how does it feel people are going to be netlisting your original list with the motor to splitter change? Any fun points you've already gone over that you'd like to share with someone hoping to put that stank on others? Would you recommend your list or Liam VSL's WWC list for a six-week three-game competitive league? I think mm -hmm. both are fine. Brigands are his big change is that he has um, I think two ten man bricks. Um, no, actually I think he has one. Um, he runs the brigands. Um, so what I recommend with his list is one of your rhinos with with um, two units of five. Um, reserve it. And then make sure that one of the biologists is in there. And then that gives you a tool that you can push because you don't really have as many combat, much combat stuff in that list. But you do have brigands, which are a very efficient data sheet and it's really good shooting. Um, and the extra AP versus close unit pairs really well with the extra, with the contagion that reduces people's save by one. Um, but it lets you push with dudes in a rhino. Um, I also like into Eldar because if they push into you with the Incarn, then you can immediately rapid ingress right next to the Incarn with the Rhino. And then the Incarn goes into whatever. But then in your turn, you grenade for one CP, then you grenade for zero CP, then you shoot it and you charge it. And if you don't kill it, you really mess it up. So it gives you a nice little reactive piece to the Incarn. Um, but you have to be really careful with how you use your Plague Marines at list because that list is more shooting oriented and doesn't quite have as much melee because outside of your 33 marines you don't really have any melee in that list um so you can kind of quickly get yourself into trouble but that list sh does shoot way harder than it should um so i don't have an answer to which one you should it's just which one feels better to you i think they're both going to be fine um no changes to my list besides the uh the mower to spitter change and uh we talked about it i think it's it's pretty straightforward i would still really really recommend um the Disgustingly Resilient podcast for the Interview Max, and then the um, the Contact Loss podcast for the Interview Max, and that'll get you like ninety percent of like there to like the way like the list plays. And then after that, it was it was just me kind of like just coming up with stuff on the spot, or just like you know just doing leaning into what works. And don't forget the Triangle of Doom. 
three objectives triangle do. <laughs> um, Nikki D, what's the Michael Jordan of Thanksgiving side dishes? And then in parentheses, he says, notice I didn't ask LeBron of side dishes because he's clearly trying to start a fight with Cliff. I know, I know. It's okay. We can provide the side dish that like is good as its peak with a couple of other Hall of Fame pieces, but can't get it done on its own due to the ravages of age. Oof. Yes, we can do that. Oof. <laughs> what is it? Um, it might be mashed potatoes. I say that because mashed potatoes is phenomenal when it's done really well. But if it fails, it requires the support of great meat, whatever it is, or great gravy. You have to have those to be able to bail it out. And if you don't, you're just, it's just done. It's just a done dish. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Um, sorry, I just reloaded my internet real quick. Um, so here's another question for you. What are the Scotty Pippen and Dennis Rodman of dishes? Thanksgiving. Uh, I think Rodman's gravy for sure. Okay. Like Rodman is Rodman is low key. If you have like a Hall of Fame gravy involved with your dinner, your Thanksgiving dinner, like so much of the other dishes get elevated. Stuffing gets up, turned up, the meat gets turned up, the mashed potatoes get turned up. Like it just, it, it brings so much else up. And it's just like operating in the background, low key killing. It. Bro, I loved um, watching what Robin was doing, like back, like during like the, the Michael Jordan heyday, like, like, like Pippin obviously doesn't get talked enough about, you know, which is because he was right there yeah. the entire time with MJ. But it was always really cool to see Robin like with the rebounds, like the the defense and everything like that. Yeah, Robin was. Oh man, I have a whole a whole take that like he was in fact the most important person on the Chicago Bulls. Team. I can see and, it. Like, it's not. I could totally see that. I could totally see that. He was fucking rock. Like never mind the wedding dresses. The guy knew how to fucking ball. He was. Oh, he's so good. Uh, next question. From Sam, congrats to him on the win. What advice will you now be giving Don Houston on getting good with Death Guard? Um, <laughs> don't play, don't take play surgeons. Apparently, he likes play surgeons. And I, every time I look at that model, I, I just get upset. I'm like, why? It's just, mm, no. it's not, it's not good. Um, you will actually start you you actually start your event at like zero and two, like just by signing up with that in your list. Um, <laughs> What advice do you give your partners or family members for buying Christmas gifts or related to the hobby? Or you say not to buy anything. Uh, we actually are doing a uh, secret Santa with my extended family this year, which is really cool. Um, Cause it's kind of like the assumption is that everyone's going to put up a wish list. So it's not even like that awkward dance of like, I don't want to ask for stuff, you know, like that sort of thing. You just get to put like, you're being asked like basically kind of like a gunpoint, like, Hey, what do you want? And then you can put it up there. Um, the was it rosemary and company brushes what are the brushes that everyone uses that are like 20 bucks a piece whatever oh um gosh the dry brushes or the normal the ones? normal brushes not the not uh, the, art, the not the artist opus ones like the actual like yeah brand. like Ra is it raphael and co um, or winsor and newton something like that. The winsor and newton maybe the, really the, the series seven ones winsor that newton, was yeah. it um that's a really good that's what i would put up because like mm -hmm. everyone knows like if you, if you try to get people to like to like if you ask for like paint they're gonna like buy like some weird paint from michael's if you ask for like models like you're gonna get like a freaking like model train or something like that you know like it's one of those things where like oh you tried but if you ask for these and you give examples of like these like nice paintbrushes like these like really nice like um 
series seven brushes like the ones the ones and the zeros which are like your bread and butter for painting yeah those things um number two been through the trenches it's so good this paintbrush is like five years old so good. yeah so good. it's a really good brush i really enjoy using it but it's also like they're expensive but like it's one of those things that like no matter what army you're on no matter if you're more like if you're a couple years from now if you're more competitive or you're more casual or if you're going for like renaissance man best overall like that's a really 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 like good upgrade to yourself and it's also one where like if you already have one you're not going to mind having more and it doesn't it's totally army agnostic it's game system agnostic um and it's it's a super safe purchase it's kind of like when you when you get older and you actually do want like underwear and socks and stuff like that you know but then like but then they get you like the really really nice ones the nice the ones. nice oh. ones yeah it's kind of like that sort of situation so that's what i would recommend it's just like yeah. ask for like really nice brushes like not like crazy nice but like you know like something reasonable you're like mm-hmm. i really want a nice brush you know and if my family member wants to buy me a 25 five dollar paintbrush instead of me buying it Cool. We're all winners here. So that's what I would recommend. Yeah. Plus one on the hobby stuff. Get nice. Ask yeah. for high hobby stuff, stuff is just generally a, a safer bet than anything like straight up like Warhammer specific. Um, yeah. On paper, sometimes a unit looks efficient or good for its points and or abilities. However, in testing, you personally found disappointing. What do you do in this situation? Do you trust the numbers and community consensus or look elsewhere? Um, you kind of got to be honest. Like, like, and ask yourself if you're giving that unit a fair shake and if you're setting that unit up for success. Because if you are not, some units only um, do what they're supposed to do if you like generate that scenario for them. And if you're not consistently generating that scenario, you're not gonna get the consistent results that people are talking about. Um, So you have to kind of like be honest and ask if you're doing that. And then maybe you are, maybe it's just like not how you like to play. It doesn't jive with your play style, or it's just like, it's just too um, unreliable to like get to that kind of board state. And then at that point, you might want to be like, well, maybe I'm this unit, the potential is there, but it's just, I can't quite get it to where it needs to be to use it. I'm going to misuse it, or I don't like how it makes me play, or I don't like these awkward push-pull decisions it puts me into. Then you look for something else. Um, And if you do pull it out of your list, because I see questions like this all the time on like Reddit, like a Reddit or Facebook or Discord, and they're like, they're like, oh, for this army, do what do you think, a bloodthirster or three units of blue whores? And I'm like, uh... I'm like, okay, no context on the list. Also, those <laughs> units do completely different things. So, different what things. are we trying to do here? Um, so, yeah. yes, after you test that unit and like you go through all that, and if you make the decision to cut it. Then ask yourself, is the role that that unit was originally here for, is that something I need or do I need this much of it? Can I cut it or do I want to try to find something else for it? Um, so I'm not super satisfied with that answer, but that's kind of, yeah. I think, the best I could really give uh, based off the question as it was framed. Um, There's also a little bit about the unit. Like, what did you... You may have picked the right role for the unit. You might have picked the right unit for the role, but maybe you just equipped it incorrectly or like not, it didn't operate the way you thought it did. Yeah. Cause like Tim, you're already, you're looking at one of the units from your, your death guard army. You're like, oh, I need to change that to an anti-infantry weapon. Yeah, the mower just, yeah, exactly. The mower just like did not do anything. The drone itself, yeah. the, the unit the mower was attached to was great, you know, but it was just like, it was like, it was just a hundred point utility piece that was like, no one, no one wanted to put effort to kill it because it just didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. 
don't know, maybe when I put the flamers on, maybe people will actually start killing it more, you know, because now it does something. Right. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I if you are if you are honestly putting it into the situation, if you were honestly doing a good faith effort to get good data points and um and your opponent is too a little bit, because like I've I've had times where like you play a game and you're like, yeah, I'm trying to test out this new unit, whatever. And then like your opponent goes first, he pushes up, he catches an angle, he kills your unit. And then the game, he's like, yeah, that new unit you're testing, I wasn't impressed by it. I'm like, you went first and killed it. Like, what kind of, feed, what kind of feedback is that? Like, um, if you were getting, like, if you're doing good faith testing and it's just not quite happening, then like, I would just cut your losses and just do something else. Like if the community is telling, because, you might be the guy who's telling you it's good might just be one of those keyboard warriors who never plays and he's just like gotten to his head like a kind of like a theory argument and he just wants to be right in the internet he doesn't actually play he doesn't actually have your best interests at heart as far as like your success so i would just cut losses get more reps with the faction or list and then maybe see if it's like if something clicks and you could add that unit back later um from Alex Taos, since Tim won a one-day event, does that mean he went X in one? Uh, also, I bought a World, <laughs> I bought a World yes. Eaters Christmas box despite New Zealand pricing. Are you all happy? Yes, I am happy, yes. and so will you. Um, so Santa Angron is here to slay. Yeah, he is. Um, World Eaters are so freaking cool, man. I'm sorry. I just I know I'm, I'm biased, but I fucking love World Eaters. Uh, that one guy, John, Tim, I noticed you lurk on Reddit and always answer questions. Mm, not always. There's been a lot of questions where I have to, I start typing it out and I just delete the entire entry. No, I'm, no, no, I'm no, like, no. nope, not going to happen. Especially because <laughs> like, I see there's sometimes where like I, before I answer the question, I click on the guy's profile and I see how they respond to other people that engage that person. And then like, if the vibes are off, I just, I'll just skip it. I think, because I think some people like they try to lure you in with like a, like an honest question and then they just either just never leave you alone or they just like they just want to argue yeah it's it's weird um weird but i just want to give a shout out for being there to help the community in so many places now for the question how dirty did admet get done based on the current reveals especially the cybernetica detachment your army rules you get the army rule um i certainly <laughs> i certainly don't love that design choice that is that is for sure um it's it's a little too early to say though um, I I don't have an NDA, so I don't have early access. But I'm also not going to straight up like ask and put people, my friends that do have NDAs, in unfair positions for that. Um, yeah, but so I don't really know. Um, all I've heard is like vibes, like like okay, side grade, upgrade, whatever. Um, but to put in perspective, like when 10th edition was getting previewed. People shit all over the CSM preview because they're like, oh, you take damage to do damage. Oh, this is trash. And like, functionally, nothing like there's only a little bit of points cuts, but like, really, functionally, nothing has really changed from launch CSM to release CSM. And now we're just seeing that like all the infantry can be just juiced to the gills with on demand uh, lethal hits, exploding hits. Uh, mark mixing and um, access to rerolls, and a lot of the infantry is super cheap, especially when you apply those bonuses to it. And then you don't actually take that much damage usually because a lot of the stuff, especially the infantry, has like icons that let you like reroll those tests and stuff like that. You know, it's it's just it just goes to show you can't really knee jerk some of the stuff. 
Yeah. You know, but on the other hand, like the Death Guard stuff also like did look like crap when it when it first released and it came out and it was crap. So it was crap. It's the honest question is it's hard to tell. We've only seen like a fraction. Um, but I will agree that I do not like that kind of design choice where it's like you withhold synergy from the army and then you just give it back later. And like that's that's not your baseline. That's like your your additional rules is like now you're at the same baseline as other people. I don't know. I, I don't like that design choice. Yeah, but we'll we'll see. Great. It might be good. Might not be good. Um, it's it's really hard to tell until you put it on the table, especially with points. That's that's usually what it ends up coming down to is points. Yeah. Um, and like sort of purposely so in this case, since that wants they want that to be their primary balancing mechanism for either. For sure, that's so. it's what they've. Uh, it's it's definitely what they've declared as like their stated intent. You know, which like it's not. It's not always ideal, but like it's in, it's just one of those things where like you might as well just not try to fight it, just lean into it a little bit. Yeah. Um, also, I just every time there's a balance pass or an addition change, I treat it like a kind of almost like a video game, like a League of Legends or Diablo, like a season. And it's kind of like, well, which what's the theme that the yeah. developers are trying to push? this season and you know is this the season mm -hmm. of vehicles is this the season of transports is this the season of guns is this season of undercosted infantry like and then instead of trying to like fight that you just kind of like lean into it knowing that it's going to be different yeah. in like three to six months anyways yeah it's a great analogy um, um from frank uh the owner of uh of dirt sheets tim congrats on your gc what are some of the factions you think will see a boost in popularity after Atlanta? Anything surprising you from the event? Um, nothing really surprising to me from the event. Um, I guess uh, if I hadn't seen it beforehand, John's list would have been a surprise, but he had been kind of working on that for a while. Um, and so I'm sure it was a surprise to a lot of people, but that, 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 I guess that would be like the default answer is that was a surprise. But I, I did see... Yeah. The work on that and i had to explain to me how like it works and everything and he walked me through everything that the uh marnius calgar and then also everything that uriel ventures and Centurions can do oh, and i'm kind of like okay well when you put it like that it all seems like when someone sits there and explains you how all stuff works you're just kind of like how did i not see this you know like that's pretty crazy but now when you say it all it makes sense um but yeah i think it just kind of leaned into like csm everyone, everyone for the most part went for the safe pick uh, which was Eldar and CSM for the most part. Liam went Death Guard and he did well, but if he had gone CSM, he probably would have been in the finals. You know, probably would have been like a a John Liam finals or a Liam Manny finals. Um, but he still did really well with Death Guard. Um, I think you're gonna see. I think there's a real chance that we know Eldar are gonna get hit in the next balance pass. I think at this point, yeah. it's pretty safe to assume CSM are gonna get hit. I think there's surprisingly um i think i think world ears might actually end up accidentally catching a hit uh even though they're not converting a ton of wins like they're that's just a very hard faction to make relevant without making oppressive and i think they might they might fly a little too close to the sun and catch some some targeted uh point hits or whatever um as long as it's 25 points as list if the list only goes up 25 points we're good because the, <laughs> the list is 1975 um yeah. votan are for sure gonna get hit um yeah that's that, coming those points the points are gonna go up their there. points are going to go up which i feel bad because they only have like what like seven eight data sheets yeah. you know and like yeah. right now they're doing well and so they're kind of pressuring you to buy more plastic buy more plastic buy more plastic yeah. 
and then you get the rug pulled out from on you with point hikes and now you're just left with duplicates not a bunch of units but like duplicates of the same stuff and you can't run a lot of it because you you're just yo-yoing on points um but i think yeah. that's gonna get hit i think i think um not to be biased but like this is part of the reason why i was starting to put reps in it i think death guard are slowly kind of like a month or two like right now right now world eaters are kind of like in the renaissance where like everyone's excited about it like people you know anthony has shown that like hey this faction has what it takes here's how you do it here's the play patterns blah blah, blah. it's helped by the christmas box set you know and and so they're kind of going through the renaissance and people are kind of and also people who are playing CSM are already kind of like getting their world ears up and ready, you know, for when CSM inevitably gets hit, they can immediately, you know, they'll have to rep some world ears. Um, I think you're going to see something with Death Guard too, because I think Death Guard are strong. I think they're definitely a tier below world eaters and CSM. And so they'll probably escape any kind of, if anything, Typhus might go back up to his original point cost because he's insane at 100 points. But that play style plays very similar to CSM where it's like, it's like cheap dude to punch harder than they should in transports backed up by combined arm shooting, you know, and indirect. It's kind of what CSM does, just CSM does it better and more efficiently. Um, but Death Guard does the same thing, just not quite as good. Yeah, which shows up in the results, right? Like in, in terms of event wins in the current iteration of the meta, uh, which since the Space Marine Codex came out was eligible for play, it's Eldar, he has Space Marines at nine, and then Death Guard at six event wins. Yep. Um, so like there's there's some point happening. And as soon as yeah. like I said, I think there's the top four factions, five actually. Um CS Eldar, CSM, Black Templars, World Eaters, Votan. And then I think Death Car somewhere in there. It's 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 very it gets very volatile after the first four or five factions, anyways. Yeah. Black Templars, people aren't talking about enough, but basically Black Templars right now are kind of doing the same thing Ooh. Death and CSM dude, where you just have under-costed dudes in transports backed up by good shooting, and your dudes in transports hit way harder than they should. It's a very common archetype outside of outside of Eldar. It's a very good archetype. Yeah. Um, Black Templar might actually, they might get hit too. Uh, I can see Crusader squads going up. I can see Sword Brethren and uh, Hellbridge going up. Um, if you haven't played against Black Templar, that that army is extremely real. Um, so if they manage to, if they somehow manage to dodge nerves, I think they're going to be dominant. I think Death Guard will be dominant once once CSM Elder and potentially World Gears take hits. Um, so if you are trying, if you for some reason you were trying to pivot for January, I would probably look into Death Guard and Black Templar personally. Yeah. Uh, I think Cody's I expect to eat. To get some pretty nice buffs. Yeah. Also, anything. So yeah, real I think those are like the best places to look. Like right before a balance pass is like whatever is kind of like at that like B tier kind of thing, where like they're just ready and waiting for the predators to fall, and then everything that's at the bottom, you know, like they just might they might just throw the kitchen sink at it, and yeah. then all it takes is a, about like three to four weeks of testing, and then someone finds like the magical key, and then boom, right to the top. Yeah. It's kind of what's starting it's, to happen with Death Card, and what's happening. Yeah. With it's gonna get weird. It's gonna get weird. It's tough. I mean, I'm biased, obviously, towards knights and custodians, who I absolutely love. But like, it's really difficult to buff them appropriately because they both get out of hand very quickly, mm -hmm. given relatively little push on the power end. So yeah, for sure. Uh, and the big part of that is the armies are in general are actually much closer than you think. Like, you look at the meta dashboard, yeah. and you see the bars really far apart, but like, 
you can fuck around and find out like with like a top faction versus a bottom faction like the the actual damage and durability levels are actually very close together yeah things are pretty tight even in in our in our like overall trends over the entire 10th edition release like things are real close together everybody's in this zone between like 40 and 60 percent which has not been the case before um yeah um, last, last um, that's really also from frank this is directed towards cliff cliff on a scale oh. of quote very to quote let's fucking go how excited are you for monoliths in the preview necron detachment rob so fucking hype about that so like people <laughs> even in our discord i think people are like uh these previews don't look that good but anytime i see like free movement into strategic reserves with no or very little limitations like that's going to be hype yeah. like that someone's, will be good someone's going to figure out someone's going to figure out like the right the right combo yeah. of like rules layering and data sheets yeah. to like just do nasty stuff with that yeah um like, like, i john lennon and centurions and vanguard detachments with uriel ventures so like wait what i can do what with these now like, yeah i've gotten a lot of reps with gk and i i gotta say uh, or a lot of reps against gray knights and i am definitely a little cautious on people who can do that but also have good shooting mm. um because like when I play against Grey Knights with the Death Guard, I form the triangle, the triangle of doom, right. and I pop. I have Nurglings all over the place, and I do minus one weapon skill, bliss skill, um, and then I let them come into me. I pop minus one damage, um, or I pop a heroic intervention, and then they they take their pound of flesh, but it's not that bad, and they're stuck. Yeah. And then I instead of shoot falling back and shooting them, I then just charge them because if they're in engagement range, they can't miss Dimos away, you know. And so that that thir- that thirty terminator list is designed to live in combat and punish you if you try to extricate yourself from combat and mass firepower in one spot. So the best thing you do is just camp on three objectives and you and you pile up all those negative modifiers, and then you punch them in melee. Um, so yeah. But with necrons, but you can do that because they don't shoot that hard. They have the two librarians that do like. It, the, the librarians do like what Typhus does, where they just do like D three plus three mortals, and it really fucking hurts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're like, please stop doing that, you know. Um, but that's it. And that's just a bunch of storm bolters. Um, with Necrons, they with like heavy locust destroyers and locust destroyers, like doing that. That, that sounds here. really scary. Yeah, really scary, especially yeah. the um, that brick with the destroyer lord. I've been shot by that unit before. I did not like it. <laughs> like that's a whole unit that you can just pop up and then pop right back down. Oh it's gonna get, yeah, and it's then gonna like get cool. if they still have and they're always and they're gonna have veil. They've always had veil, you know, like and so I'm just I'm I'm already just kind of just thinking in my head, like just the idea of like night size and or dooms whatever the transport is, like night size or doom size and monolith. Yeah, like yeah. And then um awesome. and veil and then just um that one that one lord with the bodyguard and then like he teleports yep. like and then they're bouncing around and like I can just see this being extremely dynamic and annoying. Um but that's that's kind of good though because I'd rather play against that than these like stat check like um boring right. builds. So I like the idea of I like really like the idea of dynamic necrons. Yeah. I think it'll be fun. Um, what are your thoughts on turkey? Do you guys do a different meat on Thanksgiving? Ham gang rise up. Like I said, I like I don't like pork, but I do like ham. Um I'm now a convert to smoked turkey. Smoked turkey, that's um, the way. Yeah, smoked or fried, yeah. those are both great. Fried are good, but like, um, I'd rather have someone else do the frying and like super yeah. far away from my house. Yeah, 
but fried turkey is good. Uh, my favorite part, of, the best part about being the guy who does the turkey is before I serve it, I always steal both buttons. You know, unless there's someone, unless there's someone that I really like, I steal both those things. I'm like, they're mine. I don't, I don't even tell anyone. Like I do when I'm carving and I'm like, noink, noink. Yoink. Um, for those of you who don't know, the, the button is basically, it's like the turkey's like ass cheeks or something like that. Um, <laughs> but it's um, where the, the back of the turkey, where the spine is, where the the thighs attach to the, the main body of the turkey. There's like, there's like a piece that's like it's size of like a quarter to like an American half dollar coin. Um, and it's just the juiciest piece of dark meat. Um, and it's like, it kind of like sits in like a, like a little hip socket or something like that. Um, and usually it's kind of like a little, um, at least I was told that's like a tradition that like whoever prepares the turkey and that like gets one and then the guest of like honor or whatever, like gets like the second one of her because like it's like the best cut of meat in the turkey. But I say fuck that and I take both of them. <laughs> Imagine someone else in the know being like, what happened here? Because <laughs> well, they just see it like carved and they just see like white meat and dark meat. And no one asks any questions and I'm just sitting there just like. Um, oh, Jip uh, says, currently a 2-3 player... Oh, this is the question I was really looking forward to. Uh, currently a 2-3 hmm. player playing a game... Like... Okay, so he's a 2-3 and three player playing a game a week. Okay, I thought he was playing 2-3 to three games a week. Okay, so he's currently... He self-identifies as a 2-3 player. He plays a game a week on average at his local club. Uh, he's. I find myself consuming content, podcasts, articles, Discord, etc. far more than playing list building. I think that's pretty common with most people. Um, I know, uh, I, I've said this a lot, he says, I know get reps in is the advice to get better, but how do you optimize the learning from games? How do you access what content is consumable in a sea of podcasts, battle reports, and articles? Um, I think, I talked about this a little bit earlier, there is definitely a saturation level where I think you just, you're, your brain gets saturated with content and then like anything above that, just like, it's like trying to fill a cup with water when it's full. It's just going to just, you can't fill it anymore. Um, I think it's very easy to get to that point. Like if you're listening to like two or three, four podcasts a day, you know, or if you're like every single day to work, you're podcasting to listen to podcasts to work back to work, you know, that's 10 podcasts a week. You know, I think you can definitely get to a point where you're just, your your brain just gets like raw and numb to all of it. Um, so like when I was preparing for this event, I hadn't really been listening to like podcasts or content consuming or whatever. Um, but I was kind of keeping a pulse on the meta with my work with stat check stuff like that, and generally knowing like what's good and what's what's out there and that kind of stuff, or like what's kind of like slowly and quietly rising through the ranks and spoiling events for people, you know, stuff like that. Stuff that's not winning events, but it's knocking other people out of contention. Um, I would do a little bit of uh, listening to content to try to, like, find out that stuff. But for the Death Guard, I basically found content specific to a thing that I was trying to learn for an upcoming event specifically, and I laser-focused on that and I listened to the Contact Lost episode twice, and I listened to the um, Discussing Resilient interview twice, and then I read uh, Max's article like three or four times. And that was over the course of like a week or so, And but then I didn't really do anything else. I just did normal stuff that was like not 
content, like not related at all to like consuming content. It was either just playing games or just doing something non 40k related or whatever. So that way it was um, not really stressing myself out and not kind of like overstimulating myself with like this, you know, all this noise of content creation or whatever. Um, so that way I could really kind of like kind of like intake and chew on every single little piece of information that was being presented. Um, and I would, and that was actually really refreshing. And I think I would now at this point recommend um, if you, to people to try to focus on just like play with the purpose when you're playing, play to improve a thing like, okay, well, this army has a lot of threats out of reserves and deep strike or fast guns or melee or whatever. This is going to be a game where I focus on really trying to screen. And maybe I won't win the game, but I'm just going to try to set up scenarios where I'm screening instead of killing this unit and just ending the game. I'm going to try to focus on like boot blocks or, or yeah. like, you know, like screening or that kind of stuff. And you just focus on that kind of skill, you know, or I'm going to, I have a combined arms list, um, but I'm going to try to do as much damage as I can via melee only kind of represent like i went second i misdeployed a forge fiend or whatever i lost a forge fiend and my second forge fiend got screened out and didn't get good angles and now i'm playing down two shooting units and i'm having to like i'm having to make it up and look for like you know opportunities to charge two units once with like chaos lord and chosen that kind of stuff um so i would instead of just broadly but oh, my mic sorry for your recipes headphone users um instead of just broadly um drinking from the fire hose of any and all content try to just try to just one like reduce your content intake for a week or two and limit it to specifically specific areas that you're gonna you're going to um try to improve in so like for stat check we more do like broad like meta level analysis so like maybe we wouldn't be the best choice for this but like i know art of war does uh art of war vanguard tactics like a lot of places out there they do specific tips for like how to deploy, how to screen, yeah. um, know your enemy. What does this? What does this army do? What does this army do? What does this army do? If you know how to deploy, and if you know what every meta relevant army in um, in the game does, that's actually going to carry you a very long way. As long as you have like a good solid strategy of playing the game, like picking good secondaries, um, making sure that you're setting up tens and fifteens and primaries, and you're trying to reduce your opponent's primary opportunistically um that's that's really going to be it so i would just try to break it down to chunks um and then reduce your overall content consumption and then laser focus it in i guess would be a long-winded answer that i've said five times <laughs> what do you think cliff uh no, i think you summed it up right like like tim won a gt that was five rounds in a single day he did this by not getting cute analyzing what was in each of the really good lists, uh, seeing what the two best players who played a lot of pieces of those lists and their respective versions of it did, assume content specific to that, played games, and won. Like, that's good. That's, that's, a, that's a firm foundation, I think, for what to do with just about any faction and getting better at it. Yeah, this is, um, again, and, the, and I'm going to share the screen here. Um, so apologies for the podcast listeners, but like YouTube listeners, this is this is me kind of like taking over um, or bringing over like my League of Legends background. So I'm going to share screen. This is just a random character. I picked a random. Um, so what does this have to do with 40K? Well, I would say like let's 
all of this up here is kind of like the recommended stuff, you know, like, oh, this is how you build, like, these are like your runes or whatever. And this is like kind of like people saying like, oh, this is what to include in your list. This is what secondaries to take, blah, 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 blah. But then you start getting down here. And this is a huge portion of it where it says like weak against and it shows like win rates versus these characters. Mm -hmm. And it says strong against these characters. And then this one isn't really applicable. It says best synergy, but that's not really applicable to what we're playing here because usually it's it's just one versus one, you know. And you can actually click this, and it will say, and it like actually goes into just tons and tons of data of matchups, you know. And it even goes like by like what role and everything like that, you know. And then you can even like layer it by like by elo essentially, you know, like diamond, emerald, platinum, master, all that kind of stuff, you know. And it'll say, and then it actually shows like, you know, how to play against this champion, power spikes, stuff like that, you know. And this is where, by the way, this is where 40k analysis is probably going to be about two or three years from now in the future. So we have, we have this though. We, that's what, we have this. It's just not, it's just not <laughs> in the vernacular of the public. But yeah, people aren't really like taking it in in the way that they, yes. that they could. And, but the, the, the punditry and the analytics are, are developing. So we're going to start seeing this stuff. Um, but this is a big thing I talk about so much. Everyone always wants to ask, what's the list? What's the list? What's the list? What do you reserve? What are your secondaries or whatever? Um, and people like to play test and like try to like, and just change those last 200 points of their list over and over and over and over and over again. What you really should be doing is just learning your matchups. That's going to be huge. Um, there's been so many times where your run has been ended because you're like, oh, I didn't know this X unit could do this, or I didn't know X unit could do that. And that was an opportunity that you had to improve your chances of going further in an event, and you you missed out on. And if you were just doing that because you were trying to figure out if you should take a unit of five, like one unit of Storm Boys versus two, and you like spent three games doing that instead of like just learning matchups, like I don't even tell you, man, learn your matchups. Yeah. Um. So that's that's kind of like part of like you know going back to what you can do to get better. Um. So how do you optimize the learning from games? How do you assess what contents? Oh, so so basically, we're gonna we're gonna finish this last question. We're gonna move on. Um, so, how do you optimize the learning from the games? A big part of it, honestly, is like finding if you can really finding an opponent who also wants to learn. And like when you talk, have like a goal. You know, like hey, we're gonna play this game to completion, which is a good which is a good way to, you know, kind of like you know simulate a real kind of tournament game. Uh, do we want to workshop it where it's like when I make a game ending error, we make a note of it and then we pretend it didn't happen and we just like move on like normal. You know, like, do we try to, like, are we going to try to, like, speed run it and, like, get to the kind of, like, the end game, like, a little bit faster, that sort of thing, you know? Or do we want to do, like, a re-rack session where you basically, you deploy, you play the first two rounds, and you kind of, like, identify the high-level, like, mistakes and then, like, an optimal play lines, whatever, and then you reset and you guys do it again. And the idea is that you guys, you guys do that, like, two or three times and then play a full game. You're gonna get a really good game because like all those early oopsies where you kind of trip out the gate, you both you both have gotten rid of those. And then because neither one of you is making game ending errors right out the gate on deployment or round one or round two, uh, you both get really good opportunities to learn from your own game and then from your opponent. So that's probably the best way. Uh we are almost done. I think we have a handful of questions left. Uh, Gabe C, not a question, but I'm challenging Cliff to a triple Rampager mirror match with a bunch of hog emojis. What say you, brother, in all caps? And of course, fucking congrats, Tim. 
Uh, thanks, Gabe. I'm down. It has to be on Vassal. Yeah, I was say, it has to be on Vassal. <laughs> I think that's fine. Yeah, I, think, I, I, think, I, think, I think a triple Rampager mirror on, on Vassal would be like totally fine. It would be hilarious. Yeah, I don't think we have much to worry about. There's not much. Like whenever, yeah, whenever I look at Vassal, it definitely looks like I I haven't seen it in action, but like I've looked at like pictures of it, and it looks like there's not like a yes. lot of verticality to it. But there's not. No. You're not, you're not really getting much verticality in a, a nightmare match, anyways. Yeah. And then you saw, when there is, you just establish with your yeah, you, you know, just, just talking about like this can see into that blah blah blah. Uh, yeah, I don't want to see that. Uh, Griggs uh, statement of support for Cliff having three armies at the bottom of the competitive meta, hoping it's not. <laughs> cool. I don't. It's times like this where I'm like, man, I'm glad I'm like not really out here every week or every other week traveling to GT because I'd be deeply sad um i wouldn't actually be because i can go zero and five and still have a blast and it'd be fine but it is it is tough it's tough especially given that i thought at the beginning of the edition custodians especially and knights uh to a certain extent really played like fluffily like it felt like like oh hell yeah i kick ass in melee combat like this rules um and then no that's just that's just over now and you die brian jones is doing he is still like making it work with the Lancer and Canis Rex. I know he's he still does work. Yeah, yeah. So that's the thing, right, Tim? You said this earlier, right? The even at the bottom, bottom of the barrel, uh, things are so close between folks that, like, on paper, you're like, oh, 42% win rate, like, no representation in top four is blah blah. Like, it looks really bad, but like, there's still a lot of like opportunity to go and win games based on your gameplay. As long as you don't, as long as you bring a list that's like calibrated given the new context that it's operating in and the strengths and weaknesses they're in. Yeah. So There's certain armies that are not going to attract someone and be like, oh, well, I have this army and I've played it a little bit, you know, but yeah. it's going to be a lot of work to get it to the point where, like, I'm beating, I'm consistently beating good players who are playing better armies than me. And yeah. a lot of people just don't want to put in that investment. Like, they'll just wait right. for it to get better. But then you have people mm -hmm. who, they've been playing that army while it's good, and then it got hit, and they're still playing it, and they're still making it work. And then it gets hit again. They're like, okay, well, now it is harder, but yeah. I'm just so deep in the reps of this army, and, yeah. and I, I know all my matchups so well. Um, it's bad, but it's not so bad where I'm going to give all that up, so they just stick with it. That's kind of what Brian yeah. said. And then the buff comes, and then they're steamrolling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they're just, they're just back to being superhuman. Um... I think we have like three yeah it looks like three questions left Word. uh rickard also gave a, a a statement of solidarity for cliff and himself having three armies at the bottom of the competitive meta he oh, says we both so will not be taking further questions on this topic at this time <laughs> uh ethan says how do i prepare for an army i've never played against before given that one i don't know anyone who plays it two i don't know the factions so setting up the table and playing them is not gonna be the best best data um it is hard the best thing to do is to try to figure out the common denominators of all the winning lists of that faction. So kind of like go through all the, the undefeated lists, the winning lists, the X1 lists, and really make a note of what um, right now, like right now we're index hammer, everyone only has one detachment for the most part, you know, it's pretty simple, but like in the future, um, make a note of like what the winning, like what the detachments that are showing up over and over and over again, like what detachments is everyone bringing? Um, what units is everyone bringing? Um, and then when you kind of start, 
when you figure out the core of all these, of all the successful lists for those, those factions, go deep deep dive the, the data sheets for the characters, the units, go back and look at the army rule, go back and look at the detachment rule, look at all the stratagems, look at all the enhancements, and try to kind of reverse engineer the synergy and then try to figure out like, once you find that synergy, um, you'll kind of, it'll kind of like jump out the page at you, like what the army is trying to do. And even though you won't see that in practice, um, when you pair into that opponent and you're kind of doing that little like song and dance where it's kind of like, oh, walk me through your army. What does it do? Blah, blah, blah. Um, and then they announce their battle formations, their reserves. You see them deploy. You see what units they deploy last. Um, mm -hmm. At that point, with the studying you've done, and then the context clues that you're getting from them walking through them through your army, the battle formations, the reserves, their secondaries, um, and their deployment, you can piece together about 95% of the puzzle. And so you may not, when that big like wombo combo is coming or when that mobility thing is coming or whatever, you might not know the math off your head. Like when this unit lands and when it connects, does it kill x of unit y or does it kill you know two like like twice that or half of that or whatever you may not know the exact number but you, you kind of like you, you at least know it's coming and you're not just getting completely blindsided and dropped by this by this um by this like combo or this move or whatever so that's huge that would be my recommendation is really just find the unifying common tread and once you find once you find that just go through look through the units, the data sheets, and the enhancements, and like find that common synergy that all the winning lists are trying to like key off of and use. And then go into your game knowing that and just piece it all together. Um, from Demetrius to PZ, Atlanta was a lion's den. What would you say to those people who didn't perform as well as they thought they might have? Is it good to take a break and then come back refreshed or keep pushing and don't get stagnant? I've been trying to avoid reading any comments reviews on the early Admic previews, which I don't think are pretty solid so far. Why do you think we have such a sky is falling mentality as a community when it comes to these army rules, data slates, etc.? Um, the internet's a terrible place and it's an echo chamber and we should all spend less time on it. Yeah, basically that's it. It's, it's an echo chamber. Um, Facebook, Facebook is basically a, a dead platform, just people haven't realized it yet. Um, so you're going to get a certain vibe when you're on Facebook. Reddit, the way it is designed, every single thread um, or section or page has like a certain tone. And it's usually by who gets in there first and sets the overall kind of like narrative. And anyone who deviates from that, it like will get like downvoted and their comments will get pushed down. And it's like once you hit that critical mass of upvotes or downvotes, then everyone kind of hops on because no one wants to be the guy that breaks ranks and gets hammered down. So very, it's like they say it's not supposed to, and everyone posts for like Reddit hit, which is a dumb word. But really, it's like the way the interface is designed, it creates an echo chamber, and there's no vetting of experience um, or or merit when you're in there. So it could just be some random guy who talks the words good, and he got there first, and so people are like, oh, this guy sounds like he knows what he's talking about, so they just push him up and then someone comes in and is like well actually you know i played this 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 and no you know and and people are like oh i don't like that Boop. you know and they push him down <laughs> and it always takes more 
it always like takes that. more effort to fight misinformation than it does to create it. And so a lot of people yeah. just don't even bother. And so you just end up having like a race. A lot of time, if you're lucky, sometimes there's good information, but for the most part, it's usually a race to the bottom. And by the time you can, you know enough to identify that, you don't actually have a reason to be there in the first place because you now know enough. To just you don't have to come to Reddit for it. It's so. not either anymore. So you just you just kind of end up just having a floating turd soup where it's just a race to the bottom of information um, and trolling, and it's just totally not worth it. So I'd say that's probably why. It's also just more, it's challenging, like 40K is pretty complex and it, it's challenging to see why, it is more challenging to see immediately why something might be good independent of context, yes. right? Like, and it, you just need the other pieces to be able to fully evaluate something. It is really easy to jump to a conclusion that a given stratagem, data sheet, enhancement, et cetera, is not good because you're missing what makes it in fact usable and like quite good uh, in regular gameplay. Yep. Yeah, there's been a lot of times where I've I've been in the conversation or in the room or something like that, and you know, new rules are getting passed around, and uh, someone whose opinion I respect a lot is like, "Oh yeah, this this looks really good. This sounds really good," but in a different army, that same exact rule, they're like, "They're like, yeah, this doesn't look that good," and it's kind of like, "Well, they're, just, they're the same rule. Why does it look good here, not good here?" But then you layer in the additional context, and and all of a sudden, you're like, "Oh yeah, this." this is good in a specific scenario that's never going to happen or never going to come up, or it creates this huge push-pull with the way the rest of the army wants to create, whereas this one, it's very easy to set up. Um, and it's going to be something you're going to be doing anyhow, so you don't have to like do anything weird, you know, or you don't have to give up anything to make it happen. So the context is everything. And then sometimes like something looks good, and then you throw it on the table and it just doesn't quite pan out. And you're, you're like, mm. That, that was kind of weird. Let's try it again. And you played a, like a second game, and you're, and you're like, yeah, that just did not play out the way I thought it was going to. It was just not impactful at all, and you just cut it. You don't yeah. look at it again. Uh, oh, wait. There's the first part of that question, though, about the, the players that went and didn't do as well as they thought they would. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I will – I want to say – I think I'm going to let you leave with that one, Cliff. Do you have any insights on that one? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't, like, I'm buying – there's yeah, there's no universe in which I would be able to have uh, joined the ranks of the players going there. But like, I can't imagine like I've been in situations where like thought I was good at a thing, showed up to the real pool and was like, oh wait, no, there's levels. I see now. Um, and I've always taken that as a challenge to like get better at what I'm doing. But also, you know, accept with humility that like, oh yeah, there's people out there that are just like working harder than I am, and it is what it is. Uh, and it's important to be able to accept that and just like, you know, run your own race. Like how well can I do given the constraints that I've got, given my own operating context and just push towards success in that way. I don't, think, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. I think, I think it's definitely important to identify the time or like sometimes you just need to decompress. Um, and if you can identify that and you can feel it, like, like do, like if you, do if it. you've been, cause it, even when you play against someone who's better than you, you know, and playing playing against people who are better than you and kind of bouncing off them and losing to them, like it's probably the best way to learn. But even when you know it was probably going to happen, like sometimes, like when you play someone who's better than you and you know they're going to beat you, but they're they're so much better than you and they beat you so freaking badly that it just felt like you couldn't do nothing. 
that still kind of like hits you on like a deep level and it will it will make you kind of question a lot of things and make you not want to play for a little bit and it's nothing against that person you know like and they might have been perfectly pleasant and like really but really helpful in teaching but like you just got beaten so freaking soundly where you're just kind of you're just kind of like should i just uninstall this game like should i just play the same up? yeah like <laughs> Maybe it's over. Just yeah. It up. and um usually that goes away after about a half a week to a week um and then especially if you, you know, like just go, just like walk away for like a ha like a half week or week and then like go play like an RTT or something like that, you know, and like play against like mortals again. And, um, <laughs> and, and you'll get a combination, you'll get some blowouts and then you'll, but you'll also get like some wins that were like attainable, but like you might've let them slip through your fingers, but you saw the light, you know, or you'll get some wins where, you won, but just barely, but it was like a really good, like equal level fight or whatever, something like that, you know? And so that's usually what a lot of times will happen to an RTT is like, you go to an RTT, there'll be some guy who just like, doesn't know like anything that's going on. And like, you don't, you don't crush him, but you, you beat him pretty soundly. And the, out, the outcome was never in question. And then you'll, you'll win a game, but you had to work for it. And you'll, you'll lose a game barely, but you don't feel bad about losing. Cause you, you, you both had to work for it. Um, and that's a really good way to kind of like get your confidence back up. Like after just getting absolutely taken to the cleaners by like these like elite level players. Yeah. Cause it is it, like, it is, it is very good to play against like those really, really, really good people. That's how you improve. But like, you also got to take care of your mental health a little bit too. You can't just very few people can just go in there and just get ragdolled by elite level players over and over and over and over and over again. And then that's all they do. Those people are psychopaths and they come out like they come out killers, but very few people can do that. So definitely take care of yourself, man. Um, Cliff, co closing thoughts or anything? Not man. It's been too long. This was great. Yeah. Congrats on the win. Thank you, man. So cool. Um, and like a test, I feel like it's just like a living testament to the ongoing work of X1 as a theme. Like you can't get better. It does take work. There is a path there and like it'll happen as long as you stick stick to it. It's great. Yeah. It doesn't happen overnight, but it's kind of it kind of feels good to break through. Um so on to bigger, better things. Um yeah. kind of excited. I Warzone Atlanta is next week. And like I said, this, this mm -hmm. event was practice for that. Now, granted, this was just off the back of a recent spike because it's an event, but we're Speaking of prep work, um, myself, it's myself and four other people from Miami Dice are going up to Warzone Atlanta. And wow. once the ELO updated uh, today, we actually went through and we pulled every single name on the roster for Warzone Atlanta. And then we we went to, we pulled their names, we pulled up their meta, and I created a second spreadsheet that's only internal to my team. And everyone that's registered Warzone Atlanta with their ELOs and then with their whatever it shows is their main faction on the ELO sheet. Uh, and then we ordered it by ELO number. And I think I'm number two up there. So that feels kind of cool. But um, basically that gave us, because there's a lot of names we don't recognize, but the ELO is showing that they're like up there in the 16. Most of them, there's quite a few people that are like the upper 16, 1600, mm -hmm. you know, almost 17, mm -hmm. which is like, that's like someone who's knows what they're doing. Um, yeah. But it's good because once lists are live, instead of having to look through every single list or just rely on name recognition, now we actually have some sort of like data that shows 
this person is is good or this person is competent and we mm-hmm. know which which lists to look at which lists we could probably just safely just figure it out when we get to the table um yeah. so when lists go live for wars in atlanta we're going to identify like those 10 or so players that we think are going to be like threats or whatever and we're actually going to pull up the list and we're going to spend like a couple of days leading up to wars in atlanta and we're going to try to get games into each other running these people's lists so that way we don't get surprised by it especially if we see a list that we don't like know what it does or looks different yeah like that. So, i mean doing the work but that's but instead cool, of like yeah. trying to like again, oh, cool. instead of trying to play test and figure out like the last 200 points of our list or something like that that's what we're going to be doing we're going to figure out, we're figure out who's the best players up, up there in atlanta by elo and then that we're we're just waiting for lists to go live as soon as lists are live we're dissecting their list cool. and then we're, the idea is that the five of us are going to be no surprises when we pair into the, yeah. the good players in Atlanta, and, and hopefully, hopefully the work shows through. Advantages of a good team culture, advantages of having access to these resources and using them. It's out there, guys. It's all free. Cool. Just got to go and use it. All right, man. Well, it was good talking to you, Cliff. Uh, viewers, everyone. Yeah. Uh, hope you all have a good Thanksgiving. If you don't celebrate Thanksgiving um, because you're maybe outside the U.S., I know we have a lot of Australians and Kiwis that listen to us our time slot. Uh, hope you guys have a good weekend and uh, play some good events. Spend some time with your family, even though it's not Thanksgiving. Um, looking forward to two weeks talking about Atlanta and then talking about all the good food that we ate for uh, for Turkey Day. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll see you all then. And we'll see you guys in the Discord. Peace, y'all. Peace. For more shows like this, check out the Goonhammer Media Network. More info at media.goonhammer.com.